Hey, it's Tuesday night, and we are live. I'm sitting here at the table with my co-host, the owner of Got Mead, Vicki Rowe, and, of course, the accomplished wine and mead maker, A.J. Ermans. Tonight, we'll be talking with Tyson Perzik and Alan Jones from the Mead Maker's online blog and podcast show and taking your calls, plus Melomels, from paint straighters to purees, what's your favorite fruit, and your mel from hell. All that and more tonight on Got Mead Live. Get your glass of mead and join us. Don't get lost on the way back. We'll see you in a minute. Wow. And um, it's Tuesday night. We are back together again. Uh, Vicky and AJ and I are sitting around the table, and uh, we usually start off with what we're drinking, guys. Hello. Yes, you always <laughs> you always go first. What are you waiting for? Well, I exactly. thought I'd give somebody else a chance to go first. It's this not time. that is not you're breaking <laughs> the order here, and you expect us to read your mind, so you know. <laughs> God, well, you're messing with my swear. groove. What? Right. <laughs> Vicky Rowe, what are we drinking tonight? Well, I'm finishing off the last half glass of a small bottle of Biso Exotico that I got from the Colony Meadery. And uh, this is a sweet mead with uh, chocolate, cinnamon, and cayenne pepper. And it's amazing. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Cho chocolate, cinnamon, and cayenne pepper. Uh huh. That sounds like Aztec spicy mead. It, it is like Aztec spicy mead. It's basically like think Aztec spiky spicy chocolate, but it's Must mead. Must try. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Like, just take my money, damn it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get my hands on some of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The colony. The colony is. Where's the colony? I know the guys, but I can't for the life of me think. Allentown, Pennsylvania. Allentown, Pennsylvania. All right. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's uh, thecolonymeadery.com, and I will be linking that on the show page for those of you who don't feel like writing things down. And then as soon as I finish that half glass, I'm going to be moving on to a chocolate cherry honey buzz from Wild Blossom Meadery in Chicago. And basically, it's a sweet mead as chocolate-covered cherries. Party night for sure on God Mead Live tonight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> AJ, what are you drinking? Well, I got myself three quarters of a bottle of a cranberry melomel that I made, uh, started in 2010, bottled 2014, so it's got a little bit of age on it. It's 13%, um, pretty nice. And you call it Chateau Chevette, I hear. That's my wine label, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> At least until Chevette. GM gets on my case about it. Well, you know, you could, you could make it go all highbrow and stuff, like Chateau Chevette. <laughs> there you go. All right. Hey, and I'm drinking uh, a Honey Run Blackberry. This is a California meadery up in Chico, California. And uh, it's, I, I guess you could call it sweet, although it's not as sweet as, I, uh, as some of the others that I've had. A real distinct blackberry flavor to it. I rather like this. I don't know that I would drink it for dinner, uh, but it's a very good, like an after-dinner glass of wine. Uh, very fruity uh, and it tastes very good so uh, I would buy another bottle for sure and since it's in California uh, you know I could even arrange a trip to go north and maybe make a meadery visit um, there you go 
Welcome to Got Mead Live, uh, folks. Uh, again, it's a Tuesday night. Uh, we're always here, 9 o'clock Eastern, always having a good time here. Uh, the gotmead.com website, everything you ever want to know about mead, there's only one place you need to go. Obviously, that's gotmead.com. And while you're there, okay, uh, rumor has it that the price is going to go up maybe before the year's end. You need to become a supporting member on GotMead, uh, GotMead.com. 25 bucks a year, and it gets you access to a whole other side of the forum. Uh, uh, you know, recipes that are uh, uh, proven and award winners. Uh, Oscar's got quite a few of his stuff in there, uh, as well as several others. And again, I mean, these are all award winning. So these are proven absolutely wonderful recipes that you know people dying to get their hands on a lot of other information in there as well too so 25 bucks a year uh, get your patron member there at uh, gotme.com the facebook uh, some activity on the uh, on the mead group there uh, today i saw uh facebook uh, just simply got mead and then of course uh, the mead group uh, I, I think you can get. I think I went through this last week. How do you get to that? We've got. We, we have two. Got Mead's got two pieces. We've got a Facebook page. That's the official site page, and then we've got the Got Mead group, which anybody can join. And for that matter, anybody can like the page, but you join a group, so they can join yeah. the Got Mead group. But there's like, there's like seven or eight really awesome Mead groups that are happening on Facebook right now, and I'm a member of all of them. And I, you know get in and comment wherever something interesting happens so cool. um you know they're all out there just search just search mead on facebook and you'll get a lot of good groups if you want the got me group just search got me it'll pop right up yeah and then uh, of course uh, ask oscar uh, just check the links on gotme.com uh and a reminder when you submit your question to uh, to oscar make sure that you provide as complete and as concise as information as you can possibly Give us answer all of the questions. Uh, not concise. Are, we want verbose, not concise. Verbose. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Uh, uh, yeah, tell me yeah. what. Tell me what color the pants you were wearing was when you were making this made, and how you were holding your 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 head. There you it's go. Going to make a difference. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, your question is going to wind up on the bottom of the pile. If you know, even even if it goes on a pile at all. So. Uh, be as complete as you possibly can be uh, and answer, you know, try to answer all the questions. Uh, when you submit your question, the show links, of course, you can listen to us live on the Got Mead website or you can go to TuneIn Radio. Just search Got Mead Live, TuneIn.com. You can also take us with you. Download the app for both iOS and Android devices from TuneIn.com. Replays are available on SoundCloud. Uh, and iTunes. Uh, again, uh, just use the search term Got Me Live and it'll pop right on up. And uh, big announcement we're soon to be on Stitcher Radio. Uh, just awaiting uh, confirmation uh, should come this week. So it'll be another resource out there for you to go to uh, to get to the uh, Got Me uh, Live program. So I uh, want to throw a big shout out to Ralph and James at Simi Valley Homebrew in Simi Valley, California, right close to me. Paid a visit to them uh, on uh, Sunday. I had to pick up uh, a few supplies and uh, was talking to Ralph. Ralph has, get this guys, 40 carboys in his garage full of mead. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> He's been making mead for, I don't know, five or six years, apparently, but uh, 40 carboys of mead uh, aging in his garage. So Wow. Yeah, that's 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 dedication there. If I had room for it, I'd, do, I'd be like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, say, I, I, I think I've told you all before, but Oscar has, um, he has, a, I think it's a two or maybe a three car garage. And he has basically got what, you know, if he was to actually go into, if he was actually to get a license, could basically make a production literally out of it because it's just the whole thing mm -hmm. is converted. He sends pictures every now and then just to make me jealous. So of probably, par probably parked his car at the curb outside, right? Oh, he drives a truck. You got to have more room for carburies. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, say hey to uh, Ralph and James at uh, Simi Valley Homebrew if you're in California and in that neck of the woods and uh, need to do some uh, shopping at your local homebrew shop. Uh, some show notes, uh, show news for uh, next week uh, on the eighth, uh, and I, I guess Vicky, it's Ben and Becky Star. From mm -hmm. Starlight Meadery. Yep. And then um, on the 15th, Vicky's going to be out of town. So yeah, I shudder to think what you'll get up to. <laughs> <I'm>, uh... <laughs> hey, you know what? Don't tell Vicky, but it's going to be party night on Got Mead. So oh, uh, tune in on, <laughs> on the 15th. I want to see how you're going to top the party night we're going to have with the guys tonight. So, <laughs> you know, just saying, you all gotta, got your work cut out for you. So, yeah, there you go. So, uh, we're looking forward to having a good show uh, on the 15th. I have no idea what uh, AJ and I are going to be talking about, but I'm sure we'll dream up something. We just, yeah. might, we, we just might just open up the phone lines and let everybody else uh, run the show. I don't know. All right. Well, I, I don't know if he's listening or downloading, but shout out to Medicine Faye. Would love to have you on the show, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, oftentimes I go into the forums and I'm looking up information. And, I mean, you can pick out the ones that, uh, you know, people like Pete, uh, Squatchy, uh, Medicine Fay, uh, you know, what a Wayne. Wolf, uh, yeah. Wayne, yeah. Yeah. And uh, would love to get them all on the show. Uh, of course, Pete's already on the show. That's Ask Oscar. But uh, Medicine Fay for sure, uh, even Squatchy. So, uh but, uh, all right, we're going to step away and take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking to a couple of guys who uh, run a blog and a podcast. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Besides being the county seat of Cass County, it's also the home of Prairie Rose Meadery, the only meadery in North Dakota. Owned and operated by Susan and Bob Rude, they produce five amazing meads with a sixth on the way, all available in their tasting room. From bees to bottles, the Prairie Rose Tasting Room is located at 3101 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota, and features their award-winning traditional and blackberry meads. Other amazing flavors available include ginger, mint, cherry, and an upcoming star anise mead. Tasting room hours are Thursday through Friday, 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. Make Prairie Rose Meadery a must-do when you're in Fargo, North Dakota. Visit them online at prairierosemeadery.com or stop by at 3101 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota. Prairie Rose Meadery, a delightful mead experience. 
Hey, this is J.D. Webb from Got Mead Live. You know, it's all about the mead here at Got Mead, and I have to tell you, I am in love with Fling from Moonlight Meadery. The way they balance the tartness from the rhubarb against the semi-sweet strawberry and orange blossom honey is just amazing. Do yourself a favor. Go buy some Moonlight Meadery meads now. Visit them at their online store at moonlightmeadery.com forward slash store or ask for it where you shop. Demand it where you shop. Ask for Moonlight Meadery Mead. Homebrewtalk.com, your absolute everything resource for brewing beer at home. Their forum covers recipes, brewing equipment, and help from member brewers. If you picked up your equipment today, you can start brewing tonight with everything you need to know at homebrewtalk.com. Sign up today for as little as $4 a month and become a supporting member. Known for the most amazing and creative alcoholic beverages made from honey, Bee Nectar is a worldwide sensation. Bee Nectar gives their fans a variety of options from their famous zombie killer, a hard cider made with honey and cherries to kill all the golfers, a lightly carbonated draft mead made with black tea and lemon juice. Bee Nectar makes mead, ciders, and beers that extend beyond the traditional. They let their imaginations guide them. Learn more at BeeNectar.com. That's BeeNectar with a K.com. And we are back live here, Got Mead Live, uh, and we've got a couple of guests. Uh, you know, I I didn't know uh, these two guys until I got wind that Vicky uh, was a guest on the show, and I took a listen, and I listened to the whole darn thing, and I've listened to, I think, every one of them ever since. Uh, great podcasts uh, about mead making, and... Uh, we're uh, very pleased to welcome Alan Jones, and I want to get the last name right, Tyson Perzik. That is correct. Wow, got it in one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yes. From uh, Mead, Mead Makers, right? Is that my, am I saying that one right? Because it's kind of a unique, one of those, uh, uh, what do you call that anyway? Well, it's 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 called it's called special, but just drop the second e. It's it's an internet thing. They like to drop like the vowels. They really like services that have just that r on the end, you know. So we're mead maker, m a k r, maker, mead maker. It's like the i this and i that, iTunes and whatnot, right? Uh, yeah, but but pirates like us more. Pir- yeah, you get to r. use those r's, you know. Very good. Well. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, the obvious question, uh, I guess, is how did it all start? Alan? I guess I'll start with this, Go Tyson. Um, yeah. So I started blogging about the path to start a meadery three or four years ago and realized that I wasn't anywhere close. Um, I think like any first time mead maker, I started making mead six years ago now, I think. And that first batch that's good, you hand it out to a few friends who are like, hey, I want some more. You make two or three more batches. They all come out good. And everybody's like, well, where can I buy it? And well, I'm, I'm an engineer by day. And I realized I couldn't quite make enough money running a meadery at this time in my life. I'm still really young, about to start a family. My wife's pregnant and due in two weeks with Ooh, our first child. So congrats, um, man. That's um, awesome. Not looking to start a meadery tomorrow. And <laughs> I realized the best way to really get into learning about mead was writing about it and realize at the time there wasn't a podcast about making mead. We started, I think like two months before you guys we can still claim first, right? 
Um, I think so. So, uh, and then I thought, well, if we run a podcast, we can interview everybody in the industry, learn from them, and share that with everybody around. And well, you you, you were born. thinking if I ran a podcast, like, and then and then I I sort of got involved, and I was like. Alan, you're crazy to do this by yourself. You'll never have time. You need help, and I'm going to help you. <laughs> so then I got myself involved in his project. And it's true. Without him, I probably would have already stopped. So, Does, that sound, does any of this sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, if I was getting, getting a start into it and realizing you're nowhere near being able to start doing it professionally, yes, very, very familiar. Oh, yeah. And, well, and I've, I've seen it happen, too. Um, I mean, I was... I spent like 12 hours on Sunday updating the metery list from my old metery list that I had in the last version of the site. And I ended up having to dump 20 or 25 meteries that had opened their doors and then at some point thereafter closed them. Oh, that's sobering. Yeah, it is. Well, and I mean, it's true. Actually, the mead industry is doing pretty good in terms of percentages that stay open and running. But just, it was like you say, it's a little sobering to see those numbers. Cause I hated it. I didn't want to take them off there. I wanted to leave them on there and say, not sure if they're still open, you know, just cause I felt like if I took them off the list that they disappear. <laughs> yeah. So I think JD was thinking about got me live. That's kind of a teamwork event here. Well, well yeah. Uh, I was kind of the fuel under the, uh, actually, <laughs> the fuel I ignited the damn fire. He was, he was he was a damn, he was a damn burr under my saddle is what he was. <laughs> Litter tail that, on fire, better. he did. Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've had the experience of, you know, producing shows in the past, internet radio and, and online broadcasting. We used to do some online racing broadcasts. And I am new at this mead making thing. I, I started last January quite by accident, really. Uh, I have never had, not until just recently, have never had even a sip of mead, had no clue what it was supposed to taste like. So I thought, well, what better way to learn about this stuff than to coax somebody into doing a broadcast <laughs> radio show, you know, uh, and uh, kind of learn along the way. So that's when, you know, I, I found Got Mead. Actually, I found other places, and I kept coming to this Got Mead. Everything, everywhere I went, kept bringing me back to this GotMead.com. So I thought, well, let me get to the hold of the owner and and uh, you know see if I can't uh, and have a four hour phone have, conversation. And well, yeah, I mean, you know, and yeah, that that was a subsequent, uh, you know, after she did finally make contact with me, and yeah, it was a four hour phone conversation. I got excited about it. I thought, okay, finally, I'm going to be able to learn about this stuff. So. Yeah, I was kind of the fuel of, 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 of the fire here. It's it's the same approach for us, though. Like, in order to get better at something, you have to you live it, well, drink it, too. Uh, and so so we're all we're all getting better at making mead and uh, talking about mead and drinking mead. Um, and so I think it's fun to, to get together with you guys and do this live on the Internet. I don't know. I was kind of excited about being live on the Internet, so. <laughs> yeah, it's. That was one of the things that JD pitched, and I've been wanting to do this for probably five or six years now. I've had it in my head that I wanted to start some kind of some kind of radio show for Got Mead, but I had no flipping idea how to do it with the equipment. I mean, I knew how to do a podcast that I had no problem with, but I wanted to, I wanted to do something live. And then I don't know where the hell JD popped out of the word work into the forum one day, but <laughs> there he was. So. Yeah. 
Well, I just, you know, like I say, I mean, I, I uh, you know, um, there was some method to my madness. I mean, I wanted to learn about this stuff. Uh, Alan, I think you're the one that told me that you started out brewing beer. Is that correct? I've never brewed a beer. Oh, maybe it was I, I'm proud to say, no, we, we're both exclusively mead makers. Oh, I thought one of you was, uh, I thought the last time we talked, one of you was a beer brewer, or maybe was going I to like be. drinking maybe beer. They're evil I, twins. I hate drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> it was the evil Alan and Tyson. It might have been. I don't know. Are, are there people assuming our personas and we don't know about it? I don't know. Okay. You know, just be excellent to one another and you'll be fine. <laughs> Did, okay, let me let me put it this way. Did one of you start out wanting to brew beer and then, like me, decided, wait a minute, what's this stuff called mead and went that direction? Or is JD just high? Am I, I, Alan, I did Alan, that start that way. Did I have way too much mead to drink that night? <laughs> I think we might have talked about that in our very first episode, introducing us, introducing us to the world in our podcast. Um, I found out about mead after reading about people homebrewing in college and wanting to be different than homebrewers. Um, yeah. At the time, I kind of was like, eh, everybody's homebrewing. This is like 2008, 2009 timeframe. And like, even then, the meat industry was still fledgling. It was starting to grow a heck of a lot more than it had back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and not nearly as much growth as you're seeing today. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I think my first mead was one I'd actually made because I couldn't find it in the liquor store. The same um, here. Yeah, so. back in the 90s, it was rare to find it outside the state or even the local area that the mead was made in. Even Ch Chaucer's was about the only one you would find outside of the local area. I guess I was lucky then because I was always able to, well, a couple of times a year anyways, I was able to find um, Moniac mead mm -hmm. here. They, well, they've, so. they've exported to Canada for quite a long time because that was one of the things I found out when I went to Scotland in 2002. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, we go to Canada. I'm going, oh, how about the States? They're like, nope, sorry. <laughs> Score one for Canada. <laughs> Score one for Canada. Yeah, old Canada. We got money. Yeah. We'll just make it ourselves down here in the States. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. that's how we're I got self, started because I didn't want to pay for bunch. it. Yeah. Well, it's always, uh, you know, I mean, for me, it was the craft beer thing is actually what started this whole mead thing for me. Because I thought I wanted to brew, uh, you know, brew beer at home, and then the more I thought about it, uh, I, I mean, I don't, and I don't know where you guys live, but where I live, I've got two major liquor outlets here, uh, very close to me, and go to either one of them, and every craft beer known to God is on the show. So I thought, why do I need to be brewing beer at home? You know, I'm sure I could probably find something that I like on the shelf. So that's when I got into this mead, discovered this mead thing. Uh, so is that the case uh, with either one of you or? It is with me. I might've suckered Tyson into making mead after giving him a couple of mine and be like, Hey, it's really easy to make. Just go look at this recipe, whether it's a traditional, whether it's Joe's ancient orange, whether it's even like Bray's one month mead. Now that's, I think mm -hmm. kind of usurping Joe's ancient orange in some ways on got meads are on your forums about the thing that's new to try. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, there are plentiful amounts of good beer available and there's actually a lot of good meat available today. When yeah. I started six years ago, there was not. Yeah. Well, there was, you know, believe it or not, there actually was quite a lot of good meat six years ago. Um, I've been, I've been judging them since the late nineties. 
and uh, there were not very many good ones then. But in the last seven to ten years, yeah, there's quite a lot of good ones. The problem is, is that a lot of them just don't have big distribution, so you right, don't yeah. see it. I should you know, clarify, so. it's absolutely about local, and if you can't yeah, find it locally. It's like what you can find, yeah. Right. Because I, I hear that a lot from people. They're like, well, there just aren't any good commercial meads. I'm like, really? Because I bring home all the commercial mead I can track down that I know is good every year when I travel, and I find tons of good ones all over the place. So, yeah, it's really, I, I find it important to clarify that because in getting the word out about mead, it's a little more difficult for those of us who don't travel, though. Well, yeah, I know, but you've at least got access to some of the means that are being imported and stuff like that, so sure. you're not totally without them. There are it's areas where you just can't find them. But you can do it locally, too. I mean, every time I go to a store that has mead, I always try to take a picture of their selection and then tweet it just so that yeah. everybody else who's following me can, yeah. can at least see where I've found mead so they can go there and find it, too. Yeah, I've got a uh, section on the Got Mead directory that's like stores with mead and bars with mead that I want people to like, since I don't really have a untapped sort of thing, that's the closest I can get with what I've got. I, um, you know, this whole, uh, you know, we've talked to several meaderies uh, here on the show, guys. And, you know, th the one thing that I'm interested in knowing from them and I try to ask uh, each one of them when they appear on the show is about distribution. Uh, you know, it was, it was a difficult start for craft beer. Uh, you know, and if you if you've done any history or any reading about you know that industry, uh, it was a very difficult thing for for craft breweries to get their beers on the shelves and the markets. The big three have always had you know uh, control over that. Even even down to the distributor. I mean, the distributors work for the big breweries and breweries, and that was it. Uh, and consequently, I, I think mead is kind of in the same boat. I mean, how do you how do how do you guys see uh, this distribution uh, uh, of mead going? What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I think just like craft beer. Most mead, most meaderies are still hamstrung by the three-tier distribution system where you have to sell it to a wholesaler. Then the wholesaler has to sell yeah. it to the actual restaurant or store. One thing that might be in mead's favor is its classification as a winery. And I found at least like in Maryland, small craft wineries can distribute themselves. Yeah. So there's there's been a lot of change in the legal status in recent years in relation to the fact that wineries can actually distribute on their own, whereas breweries not always could. Right. And then I think as well with the American Meat Makers Association and it's being stood up and the number of people that are getting involved in their push to change legislation. And they've taken trips down to DC to meet with representatives to look at a pending need, uh, need definitions into the Cider Act, for instance, or things like that. Yeah. about how to improve the ability for a metery to distribute. We were talking before the show, Vicki, uh, just briefly about, uh, you know, I mean, it seems to vary from one state to another. Just a simple classification. Is it a wine? Is it a honey wine? Is, is it a what? And, uh, you know, I mean, it just seems like the legal well, industry doesn't have a clue, you know? Well, they don't. The it's not that the legal industry doesn't have a clue. It's that the um, the meat industry itself has not gotten together to create and all go by 
a definition that, you know, that, that covers me legally and in terms of distribution. And so that's the problem. I mean, because there's, there's uh, meteries that flat out say we're not a wine. And, you know, I mean, I guess everybody can do what they want with it. But as long as there's that kind of division in the industry, we're going to have a tough time throwing enough weight at TTB to get them to look and notice and make changes. So that's that's kind of where it's at. I mean, they've got some good things going. They, and um, like you guys said, you know, they've done something up in D.C. Basically, we've got something on the books that basically defines mead. It has not, unfortunately, given us yet um, a new set of, or a set of regulations that are ours. But that's the first step in that direction. So I see that as a good thing. Uh, you know, the gears of the government grind slowly, so it's going to take however long it takes. But in the meantime, the industry's got to get along with itself in terms of what mead really is. Yeah. You know. Well, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's certainly something new. I mean, most of the people that I, you know, all of my friends and relatives, uh, you know, they've never heard of mead before, uh, you know, and not knowing what to expect. I didn't know what to expect until just recently. Uh, you know, the two big outlets that I have close to me, Bevmo is one, uh, Total Wine is another, uh, you know, you go there and you, you expect to find bottle after bottle of mead and you don't. I mean, I was lucky to find maybe one, you know, uh, and it wasn't until, uh, it wasn't until just recently where I actually found the mother load of mead in a little tiny little neighborhood liquor store of all places. Uh, and finally, uh, you know, just several weeks ago, I actually had my first taste of meat, and I was pleasantly surprised. So, uh, and here I've been making this stuff since January. So, uh, last January. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, it happens. I have a really burning question, though, guys. What are you drinking? All right. I will <laughs> take this first. Um, so, I think this is going to be funny because we're all drinking Colony here today. Uh, I, I've got I've got the Earl. It's uh, it's a methaglin. It's it's like Earl Grey tea with English garden spices. Uh, I love teas. I love spices, and it's it hits the spot. And then I also happen to have the Dude's Rug. It's a uh, cider by Bee Nectar uh, that has oh, chai that tea spice sp in it. Oh oh seriously? Oh, wow. oh he he bloody well better be distributing that. I'm gonna have to get me some of that. What's it called? The 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 dude's, the, the dude's rug. The dude's rug. The dude's rug. <laughs> if if you can it. think of what movie that's from. Oh God, I know oh all this God. stuff relates to popular culture too. All right, so you got you got a mead and a cider. I would love to get my hands on a bottle of that. I love chai. Okay, so what else we got? I have pie-eyed granny, which is a sizer with spices. From Colony Meadery as well. I was sitting here, I was like, we've already drank a few Colony Meaderies on our show. I was going to drink something new. And then I find out, well, you guys have already signed up for it. And I was like, well, I'm tweeting the same thing. Oh, well. No, this, this is a party. This, I'm drinking what I really wanted to drink, you know. So I really wanted to drink this Earl. I got it when I visited them. And, and I should point out, they were just on a beer podcast that came and visited their little industrial area and checked out the spirit place and the meadery and the beer place. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I think, I think we need to get them on our shows and have them, uh, tell us, tell us some stuff about what it's like up in Pennsylvania and making mead there. 
Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, they 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 knocked down a bunch of medals at the major cup this year, and um, I, I want to say they won two or three medals at least. And they're kind of they new won scene. five. Was it five? Yeah, I yeah. lose track after a while, but yeah, they sure cleaned they cleaned up, and nice. you know, and it's always fun to see a new ish metery come in and you know really give the big boys a good shaking. It's so funny to hear them after the awards go out because they're. You know, I mean, they're great guys, and everybody gets along and all of that, and they're always genuinely pleased to see, um, you know, people win awards for great stuff because we all appreciate a really good mead. But it's also funny because there's this, there's kind of this little rumbling of undercurrent of, dang, I better step up my game. These young guys <laughs> are getting out there and kicking my butt, you know, so. Have uh, either one of you guys competed at all? Alan has. Uh, a few years ago, I sent some meads over to the Mazer Cup and got pushed to the second round. Um, but I haven't won anything. How did I feel about that? Yeah. Uh, well, I thought it was really interesting actually not knowing the Mazer Cup judging process. And I don't know how much Vicky's going to be like, hey, don't tell all these people that. So feel free to shut me up <laughs> if I'm saying too much. She'll kick you under the table. I'll send, Guido to break your, I'll, I'll send Guido to break your kneecaps. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting because I received both of the two, I, I submitted two meads to the same category. Um, they were both open sweet category because they were fruit and spice meads because at the time there wasn't a fruit and spice category. The mead style guidelines that just got updated this year actually have a new category for fruit and spice meads, which is separate from the other category. I don't know if the Mazer Cup's going to adopt it or not, but that's out there. Um, and yeah, it was interesting. Split. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Vicky. You can. Oh, I was just going to say we we split categories um, when it gets to the point where a category is too large. But other than that, for home at least, we mostly follow BJCP. Okay, we'll be on the lookout. We we've already gotten a few competitions lined up for next year's Mazer Cup. Uh, they'll be featured in our podcast release in awesome three weeks. I'm blanking on dates right now. I don't have it pulled it's, up. Well, we haven't scheduled it. You know, we're all behind on the editing, but it's a sizer challenge. Oh, fun. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, based back to the story, oh, yeah, um, it was interesting story. that both of the meads came back with the same judges. And I was like, well, what? wait a second. They just poured my meads side by side, and they had one flight of eight meads or however many they had, and they only pushed one of them. No wonder both didn't get pushed to the second round. Not really realizing that's not how it works when they actually pour one meat at a time for everybody and then they come back in and they pour them all out. Um, and there is judging in flights, but it's not quite the same that they're all paired side by side. Yeah. Uh, what we do is um, there are some categories that are really large, you know, like hundreds of meats. And so what we do is um, break them into flights. And sometimes it might be like three or four tables all doing say like um, semi-sweet, Fairy mills, and um, they if there's enough of them, then what we'll do is go one round, and everybody gets to everybody gets to push one or two or whatever that whatever the judge master says. That's Glenn X line. Whatever Glenn decrees, uh, as far as you know, what kind of wiggle room we've got to push meads, tells us how strict we have to be in the judging in terms of really being picky choosy as to which ones are the best. You know, because sometimes they're all really good. And then it's then it gets hard. But then if you start out with like 50 meads in round one, you'll be dealing with maybe 10 or 12 meads in round two. So, and that's, it's 
round two is usually actually the metal round, right? There's not a third round unless it's a gigantic category. Yeah, there's no, I don't think I don't think we've ever had a third round, but yeah, the second round, if one is necessary, becomes the metal round, and that's where um, we get the you know the the three levels, and you know that's from there the next level is best in show. So the gold from every category goes to best in show, and that's a huge, you know, because that's just one table, all the meads. You guys have probably seen the pictures on the Mazer Cup Facebook page. Um, usually, that's a picture we put as the header. It's like the all the meads and the big curving swaths of glasses that's mm. that's that's the best in show round and so and, there's and like, you only do that for the home one right you don't do that right. for the commercial one anymore yeah and we never did do it for the commercial oh, one never yeah. did no we always have done it for the home one and uh not not for commercial commercial is strictly uh is strictly the metals because you know they want to hang them around the necks of their bottles in their shops so and i've seen many many yeah. of those metals on bottles in shops Mm -hmm. um, I do. I do want to throw it out there that I was your table steward for uh, the home competition when you guys were, were doing you? some of that stuff. Yeah, I sat oh right God. there with you and Pete, and you we, did. we were like, That's "Yeah, right. yeah." <laughs> that whole weekend always ends up being a blur, and I have no voice, and <laughs> haven't slept in five days. And I get home, and I'm like, "I think I'm a. I think I died." You know, <laughs> I always have a great time, but my God, it just tears me up. I, I should have snapped a selfie or something with you. You guys, should have. Yeah. Next time. For sure. Yeah. Where, uh, where where do you live, Tyson? I'm in Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. And Allen? I'm in Southern Maryland. Uh, eastern uh, eastern uh, part of the country then. Yes. Where in Northern Virginia? Right outside the Beltway oh, in uh, okay. Alexandria. Oh, I know where Alexandria is. Okay. I say I go up to uh, I go up to Winchester a couple times a year and there's a metery up there. I'm going to go check it out. Yeah, uh, there's. I, I've I've made my to do list for all the Virginia meteries, and I've got. There's a to, lot uh, of them. There's there's six or seven, I think, and there's a couple yeah. more starting that haven't made it onto the the maps and stuff. But I've I've hit up Black Snake and then Black Heath. Okay. Uh, so I've got those two down, and then I've got the rest on my uh, to do list. There you go. Well, um, I'm going to try to make a trip over to see the one that's in Winchester, and I'm going to be up there from. Uh, I think it's September 30th, October 4th. My big black powder shooting competition. That's everybody in the, everybody in the organization is there that weekend. So, you know, and, and they get to drink and shoot and drinking. Oh yeah. yeah drink we're, and shoot. Yeah. We're, 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 we're a drinking, we're a drinking group with a shooting problem. You know, it's a, like I belong to a sore group with a drinking problem. Yeah. Vicky and AJ are quite the pair. Let me tell you. Uh, but we won't talk about my 45 that's stuck in the holster by the door either, will we? <laughs> hey, I got a brand new I got a brand new gun safe in my bedroom now, so don't even go there. <laughs> in the bedroom, <laughs> damn straight. Those burglars break in. You don't want to have to be running through the neck and trying to remember the, uh, the you know how to get into the gun safe in the basement. See, that's the nice thing with swords; you just hang them on the wall. You're good. Well, I got those too, <laughs> but you know it's. Uh, shoot, all, all that I got is like a green laser pointer that I can blind their eyes with. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple of Boken from Aikido. Oh, you do Aikido too? I do take Aikido, yeah. Cool. That's cool. We're, uh, we're talking and, and it's really weird because my family calls me AJ. So if Tyson says <laughs> oh, AJ go. at any point, I'm not going to know who to actually, who should oh, answer. Boy. <laughs> Really oh, weird coincidences. I've never owned a Chevette though, so let's get okay, that. Okay, well that's way. that's that's good then. 
We're talking to uh, Tyson and Alan from uh, MemeMakers.com, and that is M-A-K-R-S.com. And it's, uh, they've got a... It's uh, M-A-K-R.com. M oh, oh M-A-K-R. <laughs> Why do I have S? See? See? I'm not the only one who does that, right? M-K-R-S and all of her links. It's M-E-A-D-M-A-K-R.com. And for those listening, we have a special page for all the Got Me listeners that you can get to at meadmaker.com slash GML. Nice. If, you're, if you're new and you haven't ever heard of us, don't know any, don't know where to start on the site, that's your place to go if you're listening today. There you go. Yeah, and you got to go and check it out. Uh, you know, it's a pretty cool place. And they've, uh, they've got some very interesting podcasts that they've been running. I've listened to all of them. And uh, I, I mean, I really can't pick one out that's a favorite. They've all uh, been very good. Um, and uh, kind of stumbled upon, uh, you know, you guys, when I was in the forum, it got mead, and I kind of stumbled upon that post, uh, read something about Vicky. In fact, it was a patron uh, at the Got Mead forum. So I told me, hey, they just heard Vicky uh, on your show. And I went, what is this? So I went over there to take a listen, listen to the whole show. It's good stuff. So uh, all you Got Meaders out there, uh, you got to pay these guys a visit and uh, and listen to their shows. But uh uh, we can uh, we can take some uh, some phone calls here. Of course, the number is 818-921-4680 if you want to call in and talk to Alan and Tyson. Uh, in fact, and there's our first call. <laughs> that didn't take long. So, uh, uh, 3170, what's your name and where are you from? Hey, this is Aaron from TheMeatMixologist.com. Hey Aaron, how are you? I saw you. I saw you free, uh, on on Twitter. Cool, welcome. Hey, thank you guys. I just thought I'd call it and say hi tonight. Well, hey, awesome. uh, make sure you got our number on speed dial. The number never changes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh and, I got uh, to say, I, I definitely see you next Tuesday. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We, you know, back channel me, dude, because I want to get you on the show sometime later. I'd love to. I'd be happy to. That sounds great. And, and right, we yeah. do have some plans to use some of your recipes in some of our podcasts, too. So you're just going to be on all the airwaves. Oh, yeah, totally. I'd, I'd, I'd be thrilled with that, guys. And, you know, uh, we'll be making more stuff all the time. Um, I'm actually working with a place called Orchid Cellars. Oh, Orchid Cellars is great. They've got some good meats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm working with some of their things right now. I'm drinking Wild Ohio from Brothers Drake tonight, if you're curious. Yeah, I haven't uh, had any of the new. I haven't had their new line yet, so I'm curious to see what it's like. You know, uh, uh, things are things are really popping off. We're having a lot of fun there. Cool. So, and you've been yeah. a feed maker for how long? Oh well, I just turned 39. My birthday was on the 27th, and I've been making meat since I was 21. So dun, a little dun, dun. less Very than good. a year and you can't trust yourself anymore, you know? Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, a little while. Very good. I don't make meat at home and I don't make meat at home anymore, but um but yeah. He yeah. just mixes he's, he's, he's busy mixing other people's mead, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the the mixologist, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's meatmixologist.com. We create cocktails for the 21st century meat drinker. So, awesome. you know, don't don't ask me your homebrew question. Well, I, I have no idea. Well, no, that, I'm interested. The technical uh, stuff is sort of beyond me. But, you know, if you if, if you, if you want to know what we what kind of drinks we can make your meat into, what's the most popular? Well, 
Well, I've, I've just only recently gotten started, um, but we but there's a lot of really good momentum. Uh, the first drink I made was a thing I called the Big Apple, which is, you know, if you have a, a, a nice sizer on hand, I use Brothers Drake apple pie. But basically, mm-hmm. it's a variation on the Manhattan where I just take out the sweet Italian vermouth and I use sort of an apple sort of sizer instead. And then I garnish it with an apple slice. And that's a pretty fun cocktail. Um, I also made a, a, a margarita that I call the Hot Shot Margarita. You, you know, if you have a capsicum melt, if you have a spicy meat on hand, you can definitely make this. It's just your regular, your standard margarita, but I've added in just a splash of the spicy meat to give it a little kick. The one I was using had some habanero in it, which just went really well with the tequila. Nice. So, okay. I almost, now, now, at this point, I almost can't thinking. drink tequila without spicy meat in it. Uh, <laughs> that'd probably be the only way I can drink it too. I OD'd on tequila in college, still can't drink it straight. Um, you and me, we got to have a conversation offline because I just had a brainstorm and we need to talk. Yeah. So, oh, absolutely, dear. message me on Twitter. Uh, okay, we'll do. Cool. Thanks for the thanks for the call. Hey, it's my pleasure, and you guys keep on rocking. It sounds great tonight. All right, thanks, bye. man. Good to hear. Six million. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. A mixologist, huh? Oh, he's amazing. He's been doing this stuff for a while, and he is intuitive as hell about how everything can go together to make the most amazing cocktails. I, I hit his site about once a week just to see what he's come up with, and it's like, <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, he's got some really good ideas. So, And I think that's cool because it makes mead is a little, I don't know why, because mead is like, been through the history is always kind of a for the masses sort of drink but mead is hard for some people to like get their heads wrapped around for whatever reason and what he's doing is he's lowering the barriers to entry everybody likes a good mixed drink you know yeah. well, it's, it's perfect for mixed drinks i mean anything that you're going to use a sweet liqueur for just replace that with mead and you've got a good mm-hmm. mead cocktail you yeah, do, yeah. sweet mead yeah I'm, you know, I like, I drink wine, uh, I drink red wine in abundance only because my cardiologist told me it was good for me. Yeah, um, cardiologist told him he could have one glass, so he's like, <laughs> you meant a case, right? <laughs> but I, I do like my whites too, but I like the, you know, Pinot Grigios, I do like a good Chardonnay, I tend to be a little more on the dry side, so... My first mead was was very sweet, and I thought, wow, I'm not sure if I'm going to really like this. Um, but since that time, I've been able to get my hands on, you know, several different varieties. And I guess it's something that, um, I guess it's something you really got to try and really kind of get your head around because I can see where it may not be for everybody. Is that how uh, you guys feel, Tyson and Alan? I I'd, I'd agree that or Alan? yes. Um, <laughs> so too much mead. Not quite too much yet. I, I was trying to send there. a message on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I've got to stop trying to type and talk. Um, I think realistically, with the breadth that is available within the mead category, there is going to be something you can find that you like. It's a matter of being willing to taste it or being exposed to something in that range like in our latest episode that released yesterday we actually did a mead day we did a mead tasting on national mead day just released yesterday national mead day being the first saturday of every august um and 
we were trying to showcase what a traditional mead could be. Is it dry? Is it semi-sweet? Is it sweet? Just start there. Find out whether you like sweeter or drier things. Maybe you don't really know. You might just be a casual wine drinker. You've never thought critically about what you're going to drink. And one of the things like, I think it's very important. And I think last week you talked about, or you were Ask Oscar segment, you were talking with Denard Smith's question about how to train your palate. And one of those Mm -hmm. things is to actually think critically about the meads you're trying. Don't just say, hey, I like this or I don't like this or that's disgusting. Actually identify the flavor compounds in there that are good or bad and move from there to see if there is something at least palatable. And then once you get to more palatable and palatable, you find things you actually like. I kind of like starting college. Everybody drinks terrible, terrible beer. Oh God, yeah. That I wouldn't go back and drink again. Super terrible beer, yeah. But it's a bridge into the ability to find something better to drink. Yeah. So don't just give up. If anybody's listening, you didn't like your first glass, don't give up. Go find something else better. Yeah, and remember, and keep in, and keep in mind, and this is where a lot of people kind of lose it, um, you know, or lose the thread with um, mead is just because you didn't like one mead does not mean that there isn't a mead. In fact, it's almost guaranteed that somewhere there's a mead that you will like because the range is so amazingly huge. Yeah, I can remember tasting my, uh, you know, the first mead that I ever tasted was my own mead. And I thought, why in the hell are people drinking this crap? (laughs) (laughs) Keep trying. (laughs) Well, it subsequently went down to, uh, I use it as Drano. I mean, it, you know, did a pretty good number on the plumbing here, but, uh, (laughs) you know. These are crying. Well, I mean, the whole the whole process, you know, when I first discovered this and I thought, wow, it's just honey, water and yeast. And I think this is the mistake that a lot of people have made. I've learned since. And there's a ton. I mean, there's a billion websites out there with mead recipes and, and you go to one and it simply says, uh, you know, mix uh, 10 pounds of this honey with uh some of this fruit and uh, throw in some yeast and, you know, wait four weeks and then rack it into a carboy. And, and that's all they give you. And they rave, you know, about this uh, fruity meat that they're making. Well, I have learned since that it, there's a lot more to it than just throwing some yeast and some water and, you know, some fruit in a jar. Uh, a whole lot more to it. And, of course, I learned all that at godmeat.com. And listening to Oscar and Vicky and AJ uh, talking about it. You're, you're such a good fanboy, JD. I really love that. <laughs> well, uh, and we've got a caller. Uh, I don't know who the phone number Maybe is. Maybe it's Chris. <laughs> uh, it's an unknown number, and I usually don't take those calls, but I'm taking a risk here. So ooh, who is ooh, the go for it. phone number? <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is John. Um, I'm actually calling in from Skype, which is why the phone number yeah. shows up unknown. Hi, John. And I'm in Northern Virginia. I'm actually a friend of Tyson's. Um, known him for a number of years. Um, and I'm a complete newbie when it comes to mead. Um, you know, I've, I've tried two different things. Yeah. Well, at least you tried that second one, dude. You're off to a good start. And he's yeah. making his first mead on Sunday, right? Nice! Yeah. At, uh, at Tyson's house. <laughs> Oh, uh, right on. So we'll, we'll be trying our first uh, first batch of stuff. Um, well, my make, kind of, make Tyson go down in the basement, get the really good stuff out, and let you drink it. We're definitely <laughs> going to try try some things while I'm there. 
There you go. Um, my my question. I'm originally from Hawaii, even though I live uh, in, here in Northern Virginia now. Um, and I'm curious if any of you have any experience with meads made with some of the tropical fruits. Uh, you know, I grew oh, up yeah. guavas and uh, passion fruit, and and some of these things are hard to find here. But uh, I, I'm really curious about using some of those and and some of the spices that that we have in Hawaii that. We don't find, I, I've never seen anywhere outside of Hawaii. Yeah. Well, you guys have got, uh, in Hawaii, you've got so many interesting things. I mean, for one, you've got, if you can find it, macadamia nut honey, which is utterly amazing. And, um, and it's, I mean, that makes just a stunning and completely original traditional that you cannot duplicate in the States unless, of course, you can get your hands on some of the macadamia nut honey. But um, as far as tropical fruits, there's huge numbers of people that work with tropicals in, um, you know, in meads. And there's quite a fact there was a couple of threads going on and got me just recently around pineapple and a couple of other uh, tropical style fruits that they were playing with. But I've seen people use guava. I've seen people use papaya. I've seen people use uh, mangoes and, you know, I mean, you name it, somebody's done something with it. Personally, I'm waiting for a pawpaw meat, but that's not tropical. It's just the one I really want to try. I believe Brother, Brother Drake actually has a pawpaw meat. <gasps> Are you serious? I am I absolutely serious. Aaron when he was on. Okay, I, I've seen yes. it in their lineup before, but I haven't had a chance to get it. Um, well, you've, made Mickey, oh you've made Vicky's day. Oh my God. Yeah. I've always, I've, I've never even tried a pawpaw, but the description of them is like all my favorite things. And I have always had some in our backyard. <laughs> Seriously. I hate you. <laughs> You're just going to have to bring me some. Okay. When I'm in Winchester, just bring them along. I'll show you cannons. Okay. <laughs> this, uh, this, this would actually be a good, a good time to sell the gotme.com site to John. If you go to gotme.com, sign up in the forum, John, and pay the 25 bucks a year, become a patron member, there is a recipe section in there, and these are proven medal-winning, award-winning yeah. recipes. These are not Guaranteed things. reproducible to make yeah. good meat if you follow directions, and they're very detailed. Yeah, and they're, they're, I, have, I found several in there that... Uh, uh, that have dealt with, uh, you know, tropical fruits. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good resource. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I am I am probably the unofficial spokesperson for gotme.com. I mean, I live and dream that Excuse place. Excuse me? You are? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I'm the official one. Uh, I, you know, but after have, you know, when I started in this uh, endeavor last January, I mean, I went everywhere. And everywhere led me back to gotme.com. So, I don't go anywhere else. I've, I've learned that lesson already. And, of course, things that I've learned from listening to Oscar uh, and, of course, asking questions, uh, talking to AJ, to Vicky, uh, the people who have done this and done it, done it you know, very successfully, you know, you learn not to go outside uh, the realm. I mean, you know, I was just mentioning the fact that there are billions of websites out there with billions of recipes but they're not telling you the whole story. They're not telling you about staggered nutrients. They're not telling you what kind of nutrients. They're not talking about DAP or YAN or FAN or FRAN or Barbara or any and of the rest of them. them. A lot of them are also a little bit antiquated, and they're recommending that you add acidity up front, which is also mm. not, a, not a good practice these days with mead. Yeah. yeah, definitely not. And, I mean, that's the that's the big thing is don't be, don't be afraid to try shit. 
but the I mean, honestly, as long as you're using good fermentation techniques and you you know and you, and you talk nice to your meat and pet it and give it what it needs, um, you know, I mean, it's like it's like raising a puppy in a, in a lot of ways because for that first two thirds of the fermentation, you are living with that thing. You know, I mean, I literally plan my meats by my travel schedule. Because God forbid, I should have bought a town for four days in the middle of the time when I got to be stirring it twice a day because it could die, you know. So, so I've been working with John, and he's actually gone out before he was even made his first meet, and he's got uh, a chest freezer and a temperature controller, and so oh these, these meads are going to be perfect. Dude, you uh, got it bad. You got it bad. Okay, yep. so there's, I know there's at least a couple tropicals in the patron forums, and then the regular non, you know, the totally free area on on the forums has got a butt ton of recipes and i remember seeing pretty much every tropical fruit i'm aware of in there including things like star fruits and you know strange and exotic things i don't even know what they taste like <laughs> yeah. we've got at least one experimental one planned uh with some interesting spices that john's grown up with uh, yeah? and if it and if it turns out uh we'll share it with you guys please yeah, was, I'm, um, I'm a spice whore i'd love to hear about that i'm always <laughs> looking for new and exotic spices so seriously i, I mean you ought to see the way i cook it's hilarious I buy yeah uh, we we buy a lot of our produce from the Asian market here in town and uh, was passing down an aisle that had a lot of frozen fruit in it and I saw this bag of lychee oh lychee yeah oh those aren't those like really stinky I, no well, I, that's no, durian no, no yeah that's yeah that's that, durian that's that I'm really thinking bad. of you're right yeah you're right but I picked this bag up and I thought huh and I'm thinking mead. I'm thinking now. Nah, this is probably something that nobody thought about making a meat out of. And I came back to gotmead.com, and guess oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> of course. So make gotmead.com your resource, John, and uh, <laughs> you know, pay that twenty-five bucks. I'm telling you, uh, a wealth of information. We've got another caller online. Thanks for the call, John. Thank you we, very much. Uh, Thanks for coming on, man. Um, Thanks, John. We've got another caller on the line, uh, 2675. What's your name and where are you from? You should know where I'm from by now. Oh. Chris! Hi, Chris! You don't have my number uh, typed in? My JD let us all. down. He's the only one that can see the number, Chris. So AJ and I would have picked that up on it right away. Uh, I know you would. I know you that's would. That's right. I, you know, I thought I had your number uh Put in here, but maybe it's not. I don't know why it's not coming up. But anyway, Chris from Mississippi. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to drive me to drinking now. You haven't already. Started. No, I was just. You on I was just going to. I was just calling in to tell the meat makers. You know, if you really want your show to take off, you got to get a groupie. We don't have live uh, call-ins. We're working on it. We got a few people commenting on our posts and questioning mm -hmm. my skipping episode number 13 because I was really annoyed that uh, iTunes didn't have the same number of episodes because we have two episode twos because it went for way too long. So we made a 2A and a 2B and that meant everything after said we had more episodes than we really did. And I was like, well, what a stickler. Number 13. <laughs> Picky, 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 yeah. So Chris, picky. Chris is our resident groupie from Mississippi. And uh, I mm. mean, there's not a. If he doesn't call on a show one night, there's something we get worried. wrong in Mississippi. Well, yeah, we, we worry. Yeah, we worry that there's been like a, I don't know, <laughs> Tornado. something going on, you know, a hurricane in Mississippi or something. 
Welcome to the show, Chris. Uh, have you got a question yes. for Tyson and uh, uh, for Tyson and Alan? Yeah, I wanted to tell them they needed to get a groupie because they, you know, it's it's just not the same. Um, <laughs> hey, can you dual hat both shows? I mean, we'll take yeah, you. Yeah, he's a cardiologist. So he's <laughs> you know, you know, I'm dedicated. I'm dedicated to this show already. I provide the uh, drugs and the strippers. So That's right. uh, <laughs> he also he he also helps boulder up the southern contingent. It's you know, it's a party now. Otherwise, I'd be all alone here with all these damn Yankees. So yeah, thank you, Chris, for being. It's, it's always a party. Yes, I, I have the southern front covered. Um, That's right. Now I was I wanted to ask you uh, of all the different uh, categories available uh, in the BJCP and the Major Cup, what is what's your uh, favorite categories of uh, or styles of mead to drink? Uh, Mel's, uh sizers, traditionals. What, what's your all time favorite? Ooh. You, you got to go with spiced meads. I mean, and that can go for any of the categories. You get that's, you get that's that, my guy. Yeah, you, you get the fruit. You get the you get whatever, but then you throw the spices in, and that mm. really makes it something. Mm-hmm. I love me some spices, man. There you go. Okay. Hey, yeah. Thanks for right. calling in, Chris. We, we only got one of them though. Alan asking Alan. for me too. Yeah, well, what do you do? So I, I, so I, sort of a, I sort of answered this last week. I, I like the idea of a lot of hydromels. I, li- I like that mead is bridging into that gap from the cider realm when you go beer to gluten-free to cider into mead. And yeah, gluten-free may be an advertisement for a lot of things. But I like the low alcohol, the carbonated meads. That's generally going to throw me into fruit variants. Um, but I'm also a huge fan of method blends as well. I'm not the Capsimel yep. fan that Tyson is, though. Capsimel, spicy. Uh, I love me some Capsimel. AJ and AJ and Vicky and, and JD, you can answer that as well, and I'll uh, I'll get off the line for now. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for calling in, Chris. All right, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Bye. I uh, wow, Chris from Mississippi. I, I'm, I'm telling you, there's not a show that goes by that uh, he doesn't give us a call, and if he doesn't, we call him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're gonna have to start doing. I think I should just. I think we should just go ahead and make him a co-host and find out what his what his work schedule is, so that we can have him on the show. Yeah. To answer, uh, uh, to answer actually, his question, though. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, to answer his question, though, I pretty much I like just about anything as long as it's not too dry. I mean, I like stuff with spices. I like stuff without spices. I like a good traditional. I like fruit stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I like the melomels. I like plain old fruit wines. So I'll I'll drink it yeah. all. I love me unless some, it's dry. I love, I love me pretty much all of that and some sizers. And I've noticed in the last couple of years, my tastes have veered more towards the middle of the road. So less sweet than they were when I started. So I'm still not really feeling dries, but yeah, get me into a nice semi sweet and I'm a happy clam with pretty much everything. You just got to spice those dries just right. And then, you know, it'll, they'll be perfect. You'll like, (laughs) (laughs) well, Well, that's 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 a scary thing with it. Right, especially you know when all you're doing is uh, spices. There's no place to hide, <laughs> so there's not a lot. Of, there's to, not a lot of people uh, brave enough to attempt that with a commercial, you know. Yeah, to answer uh, for me, for uh, Chris, it's you know I really I'm just not a few weeks ago really found the you know my my uh, my meads uh, here locally, so I really haven't had a chance to taste a whole lot. Uh, but the ones that I've had, uh, I thought were pretty good. I don't particularly care for the real sweet ones. Uh, I've just never, I've never been a soda pop drinker. 
uh, not a lot of sweets in the house. Uh, and if it's a wine, usually on the more, more of a dry side. But I'll tell you, some of this, you know, like this one tonight, I'm drinking Honey Run, uh, you know, from California in Chico. This is a blackberry, uh, and it's sweet, but not so sweet. It's got that dryness of the berry, uh, and I really enjoy it. There's a number of blackberries that are kind of done like a Merlot in the industry. And um, one that comes that to mind. I, that is, I would like. That yeah, I would one, like. one that comes to mind, and it's pretty darn good, is Fox Hill. In, uh, he's, up near, he's up near Asheville, North Carolina, but it's foxhillmead.com. And uh, Fox Hill's got a range of meads from a um, from an off dry fortified, which is really interesting. It's barrel aged and it's got some buckwheat in it, so it's got a lot of complexity. And mm. then he has a he has an off dry, uh, so it's not you know like dry dry, but it's a little it's a little off dry, and it's based on blackberries, and it's awesome. It's just simply awesome. We're uh, a little bit long on the segment. Tyson and Alan, uh, you guys want to stick around all night? Yeah. Isn't this the party? We invited them to a party. What are you trying I'll, to do? Out. We'll We've be got, here. Perfect. We've got another segment coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about melomels. Uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, you guys uh, might as well stick around because I think it's going to be a pretty interesting segment. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, more with Tyson and Alan. Stick around. We'll be back. Besides being the county seat of Cass County, it's also the home of Prairie Rose Meadery, the only meadery in North Dakota. Owned and operated by Susan and Bob Rood, they produce five amazing meads with a sixth on the way, all available in their tasting room. From bees to bottles, the Prairie Rose Tasting Room is located at 3101 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota and features their award-winning traditional and blackberry meads. Other amazing flavors available include ginger, mint, cherry, and an upcoming star anise mead. Tasting room hours are Thursday through Friday, 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. Make Prairie Rose Meadery a must-do when you're in Fargo, North Dakota. Visit them online at prairierosemeadery.com or stop by at 3101 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota. Prairie Rose Meadery, a delightful mead experience. If you're a mead maker, you need GotMead.com. It is the absolute best and most complete resource for mead making you will ever need. The forum consists of recipes, discussion on equipment, techniques, and methods, complete with its own batch calculator. GotMead.com offers everything you need to start making mead today. And for just $25 a year, as a patron member, you'll have access to proven award-winning recipes, fermentation management, equipment discussion, and a whole lot more. GotMeat.com. Sign up today. Growing up in a culture where home winemaking was a way of life, Sergio Mutella naturally began making wines himself as an adult, finding his way into brewing beer and eventually his discovery of mead. Earning numerous mead-making awards, Melovino opens his doors, becoming the first meadery in the Garden State. Featuring 20 different craft meads with amazing variety, Melovino is the fastest-growing meadery in the country. Melovino offers tastings and tours every weekend, and all of their meads are available online, shipping to 22 states across the country. Go to melovino.com and book your tour and tasting today. Located at 2933 Vauxhall Road near the rear of the Millburn Mall in Vauxhall, New Jersey. Melovino.com. 
And we are back live here. Tyson and Alan from Meat Makers, uh, MeatMaker.com. By God, I'm going to get that right. Uh, <laughs> you got it. Before the night is over, uh, they're going to stick around with us as we get into this next segment. Um, and, you know, here I, I just, I mean, you talk about getting into this thing neck deep. I just invested in a stainless steel fermenter, immersion chillers. And I'm, I mean, I'm set to go. I mean, uh, you know, I'm anxious to get involved. And it, as it turns out, my first recipe that I'm going to do in it is actually going to be a traditional. However, I do like the fruit stuff, uh, these melomels. So what I, what I thought we'd do uh, is talk about them. Um good. <laughs> AJ is, has has been a, a really good resource for me, and we've talked about the different kind of fruits and stuff. AJ, what's your favorite fruit to uh, to use in a mead? Uh, I like a lot of different fruits. Um, one of my favorite meads to make is a, a Blackberry Ancient, um, Joe's Ancient version. Uh, but one of my favorite fruits, hands down, for making a melomel has got to be red currants. Because they just have so much flavor. The only thing is, you have to really watch their acidity. Didn't I do a current? What kind of a current did I do? Remember that? <laughs> but, 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 but. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've never used purees. I, uh, I tend to go with uh, fresh fruit, uh, sometimes frozen. Uh, I thought you and I talked about that one red current. I, I yeah, I think something. we did. Yeah, and it, it, was, it was like that was one of the ones that I used for drain cleaner. Uh, it, it just well, did not work. I did have one batch that um, I'm, I'm guessing it may have been a temperature issue because I had a lime mel go the same way. Actually, it was a, re a red currant wine and a lime mel that I started on the same day. So I'm guessing it's a temperature thing because they didn't use the same yeast. They didn't use anything else. And I sanitized in between doing anything with the batches, but they both came out smelling like diesel. So that was one of my biggest disasters. <laughs> but the funny um, thing is, if you shake it up, the diesel smell goes away, so you just have to air it out really, really well before you try to drink it. But if you let it be diesel it gives you a wicked hangover. So. Oh, yeah. Vicky, chime in here. Um, you've done quite a few uh, meads in the past. Any favorite fruits that you, uh, that you like? Um, or had better luck with, even? Well, I've had pretty good luck with most of the fruits I've played with, except for the strawberry that I was doing that burned too dry because of a temperature flux. But um, I think my favorites probably would be prickly pear, right? Oh yeah, you, you, you guys oh, have heard that story. Yeah, with <laughs> buckwheat honey. <laughs> yeah, poo poo. Yeah, <laughs> don't like prickly pear. Um, and the funny thing was, is I ended up I was harvesting prickly pears, thinking I was going to make one before I ever tried one. So I'm really glad now that I didn't make one. But uh, probably blueberry and um and and tart cherries because I did a, I did a uh, tart cherry. Actually, it was it was a tart cherry mead that was semi sweet, and it was Michigan pie cherries, so Michigan tart cherries, and it wasn't quite what I wanted it to be. I, I wasn't even really sure what I wanted it to be, but I knew it wasn't there yet. And I this is this is the one where okay, you'll appreciate the spices in this. I was like, it needs something. It's, you know, when you're cooking sometimes, it's like, what are we, my husband and I do this, like, what are we missing? Right. What do we need to throw? Oh, garlic. It needs garlic, you know. Right. But um, so this mead, he and I are tasting and I'm going, it's missing something. What does it need? 
And he's like, it's a little thin. It's not got texture to it that it needs. And we were both trying to figure out how to express what it was that we needed to have in this. So I grabbed a bag of malab that I had in the pantry. And it's a, malab is denatured cherry pits. Uh, they sell it at pensies.com. And it's actually very popular in Middle Eastern countries as a like a condiment. See, like scattered on a salad or something like that. And they just de- they, they suck the poison out of cherry pits and then they chop them up and they dry them. And, or maybe they dry them, then they chop them up. I don't know. But then they sell them in containers and you can buy them. And I had got this bag on a whim uh, when I was surfing Penzi's one day, getting cinnamon and vanilla and all my usual stuff. And I threw a handful of those in the carbuy and it was in secondary at this point. So I was basically like putting it on oak. So I threw a handful in the carboy, let them sit in there for a couple of weeks, kept tasting, and it picked up complexity and mouthfeel and a depth that was beyond reason. And I swear to God, the thing was like liquid cherry pie. It was evil. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then one time so far, I've managed to make a blueberry that lived up to what my brain thinks it should taste like. And I made one that, I mean, a good blueberry should taste like a bottle of the summer sky. You know, like like laying in the grass in the summer on your back in a nice meadow. There's no mosquitoes and everything is awesome. You know, <laughs> um, and I made it that way once. <laughs> and there's, there actually is a commercial meadery that makes it that way all the time. And that's White Winter Winery in Wisconsin. That's where I figured out that I really wanted to have an awesome blueberry mead because there's this to, to die for. So, yeah, so uh Oh, go ahead, Alan. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure White Winter also uses the blueberry as their base for their liquor they make. Yes, they do. I got two bottles of that at uh, the last time I saw them and gave one to my daughter because she's a blueberry fanatic and brought the other one home. So, yeah, that is exactly what they use the base of it for. What, uh, Tyson, there seems to be uh, the berries, the blackberries, the raspberries seem to be really popular. Do you have a preference? Or do you I like both? I don't know if I have a preference. I mean, going back to my childhood, uh, I was out in Seattle, Washington, and on on one of the, uh, the the lakes and the bays and stuff, there was some, I think they were blackberries, and uh, just the, picking those fresh and eating them. Anything you can pick fresh, I think, is what you want to go with. Um, yeah. I, ha- I have some blackberries that I intend to use soon in a mead. Uh, I, didn't, I wasn't able to get them fresh. I wasn't able to get them from the farmer's market, but like... They were on sale, so they were cheap. So that met my requirement. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if, if you can get them fresh, they're, they're way better. Um, and, and any berry that's fresh, I think, is better than any other berry that's from the store. Do you guys freeze yours before you use them, or you just toss them in fresh? I had to freeze these ones that I've got just out of necessity because I wasn't yeah. ready to, to, to make any meat at the time. Um, but uh, I, I like the idea of fresh. I mean, if I, if I had... The, the plants, I'd pick them and then make the mead right away. Hmm. It'd be interesting um, to do a side-by-side with fruit and then the fruit frozen to see what the differences were. Because I always <clears throat> freeze mine because that breaks up the cell walls and they juice a lot better, you know? And I think one of the things... Do I go, JD? Sorry. Well, yeah, no, I was going to ask Alan uh, about this whole freezing issue. Uh uh, you know, because I've, uh, you know, the pectic enzyme and the freezing, and do they both do the same thing, or is there a preference, or do you have to do them both? Well, the pectic enzyme is. Done. Yeah, I don't. That's not really related yeah. to freezing no, issue. It's, it's sort of help with a little bit of juice it, release, though. Yeah, but it's more for 
I mean, pectic enzyme is more for like keeping your apples from turning brown. I mean, it's a it's a preservation sort of thing rather than a. Uh, it's actually more for breaking down a particular long chain poly. Um, there you go. Like polysaccharide, okay. I think it is. I know. I'm sure Pete will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and. Uh, but it's, doesn't it help? It keeps it, it, it keeps you from ending up with cloudiness in, your, you in your finished product because it, it drops actins, that. Yeah, it drops that haze um, that you get in sizers and stuff. Yeah, because you, um, so, you don't want you don't want you don't want your uh, your wine turning out like a jam. But I've, heard, <laughs> I've heard people say also that it's that it's also good for breaking down the cell structure of the fruit. It, it helps a little bit with before. juice release, from according to what I've read. And uh, I've actually been experimenting when I'm pressing apples to see if it makes a difference with um, how much of a um, how much yield I get if I let the stuff sit. I shred my apples and then let it sit overnight with some pectic enzyme, and I'm not really finding all that much of a difference if I do or don't. Yeah, I've and, never. And how do you actually with... press them? Um, I built myself a press from uh, like four by fours with some metal brackets I made at the shop, and. Uh, um, I use a. I was using a two-ton bottle jack, but I've blown two of those now. So now I'm actually using the scissor jack out of my Honda Accord. <laughs> <laughs> it was and, so uh, amazing. Broken a bunch of broken a bunch of cutting boards doing this, but uh, back, I, I shredded in a food processor first. Back to Alan, uh, the freezing thing. Freeze or no freeze? So I've done both. Um, I don't. I haven't done a side by side so to speak, but I absolutely agree with Vicky that once you freeze, it does help break down cell walls and helps with your juice release a lot. Um, and I've done it more out of practical matters that we don't keep our house that cold in the middle of summer. So if I want fresh fruit in from June or July and I don't have a giant fermenter fridge available to me, the only thing I can do to ferment that fruit as fresh as it can really be is to freeze it before actually throwing it in and then fermenting in October versus fermenting in June or yeah. July. See, that's kind of the route that I have to go because, you know, I go strawberry season and I get 20, 30 pounds of strawberries. I haul those puppies, um, clean them, and then dry them off all over the counter and then put them in freezer bags or use my um, my uh, vacuum sealer and stick them in the freezer because there's no way that I'm going to be doing a strawberry mill in North Carolina anywhere after March or before October. Because it's just too stinky hot, and it's the house has so much difficulty keeping up with the heat. You know, it sounds like we're really leaning towards freezing just out of necessity. Like we just can't do things at the time when the fruit is the freshest, so we have to freeze it to preserve that quality. I'm um, kind of in the I opposite think, uh, situation right now because I don't have room in my freezer for anything else, so I have to start the batch <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, but you're a hoarder. Still AJ. necessity. I, <laughs> I think some of that has to do uh, with where you live, too. I mean, I'm down here in basically L.A. County. I'm in Sherman Oaks. So, uh, you know, much of the fruit that we get here is going to be local from the store. Uh, and of course, I mean, and I hate that uh, because you know, nine times out of ten, the fruit that you buy at Ralph's uh, is picked way too early. Uh, you have to let it ripen for a week, and then when it does, it's, it just isn't good. So, and getting tree ripened, uh, ready to eat fruit here is is really difficult unless you can find, you know, uh, you know, a small farm somewhere, an orchard. Where you can actually go and pick it yourself. So, uh, you know, if you live in the in the country and and uh, you know in an agricultural area like that, I guess uh, 
you know, fresh is always best. Dude, you live in a state that's like one of the biggest agricultural segments in yeah, the country. But I, I, yeah, don't they I, have farmers I, markets there? Oh yeah, they do. But uh, I mean, I just I absolutely refuse to pay for that word organic. Uh, oh no, 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 no! I go. I've got my. I've got my farm that I buy my berries from every year. They happen to be organic, but that's not. I buy from them because they're reliable and their fruit is good. Um, but they, you know, when they put up their stand, I'm first girl in line with my checkbook in hand. Give me four flats. And she's like, every year, she's like, what are you doing with all of this? And every year I tell her I'm making meat. I get my strawberries that way. I mean, I go up to Fillmore and get my strawberries uh, or down to Irvine, which is, you know, close to where I live. But you're right. California is a huge agricultural state. But yeah. well, so you guys not pick your own for strawberries or is that not a thing there? No, we have it, uh, but uh, it's it's like ninety five in the shade with three thousand yeah. percent humidity. It's just easier to buy. Okay, it, fair. Really, it's just, yeah. Fair. I mean, by the time you picked twenty pounds of strawberries, you'd be dead. Agricultural <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> area. I mean, the, the farming. Uh, you know, that's you know, if you're familiar with California, is several hundred miles north of me. So it's not like just jumping the car. You know, and yes, I am retired. Retired, and every day is a Saturday, but. Uh, Rub it in, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like just jumping in the car, running up the street, you know, to your local strawberry field and, and picking a bunch of strawberries. So, uh, you know, I mean, if if and I have come back from up north. My wife and I made a trip up up to Northern California, and on the way back, uh, you know, we took a, a pretty pretty good side trip down through the uh, agricultural uh, area and stopped at virtually all of the uh, fruit stands and, and little markets, little fruit markets on the way home. I brought a carload of stuff home, apricots and berries and peaches and, uh, you know, everything. So uh, that was okay. I mean, I appreciate that. But again, I mean, when you're, when you're living in L.A., you know, uh, it's kind of difficult. Whereas I live 10 minutes from downtown Ottawa and I can pick apples off of five trees within a five minute walk from my doorstep. Yeah. Well, apples, I, you know, I, my wife and I are going to make a trip here uh, in uh, late September, early uh, October, maybe even in November, maybe a couple of trips uh, out to Oak Glen where the apple orchards are here, which is, you know, it's about, I don't know, maybe 80, 90 miles from where I live make a day trip and go out and get some apple, uh, you know, but for other fruits, uh, you know, it's just not that, you know, like I say, you just can't go up the street to your local farm and, and, you know, pick a bunch of berries or a bunch of peaches or whatever. So, but yeah, farmer's market, Zicky, uh, out here in California, you know, I mean, the best fruit is going to be organic stuff. And it's just that, that buzzword, you know, it's like another that while that means in Southern California is it's another couple dollars a pound. Uh, you know, and I just absolutely refuse to get on that bandwagon. Somebody said the O word and JD's gone off on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We really don't want to go there. Yeah, uh, no, it's not really as bad don't. as the GMO word. I'm sure that gets well, oh, too. God. I shouldn't start. Yeah, do you, <laughs> Mina Harris had to stir the you pot. Had poke, you <laughs> had to poke the bear, didn't you? I had to resist. Well, this coming, this coming from a Colorado rancher that uh, you know used to raise. Uh, we 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 raised our own produce and vegetables and uh, and everything. So been there, done that. But you know, what about 
you know, best practices. Uh, you know, we talked about freezing fruit. Is that the best, one of the best practices here? I think that's, I mean, honestly, I'm going to say that that's really dependent on what you want and what your preferences are. Because I don't think, again, like the guys were saying, do it unless you do it side by side to see what the differences look like. I don't know that there's any huge difference between getting fresh fruit, cleaning it yourself, and immediately freezing it properly versus, you know, fresh and right into the bucket. So, I mean, I don't think there's any best practice there. It's more, I think it's more a matter of expediency and what you can do. Like for yeah, me, what's right for your situation. Right, because I can't, I mean, I could try to brew and maybe after I got my new HVAC system in next week, maybe I can brew in the summertime. But right now it's just that the, the, you know, the summer season is too hot to not screw up a good ferment. And especially with, for at least the, the mills I make and the yeast I use for them. Yeah, that's not going to, that's not going to work. Yeah, that's why seven. What, uh, what is it? K one V's become my go to because it doesn't seem to care as much about high temperatures. Yeah, it's a lot more flexible. Seven one seven one B gets a little upset, but D forty seven even more so. D forty seven. I can only so, use D forty seven in the winter in the kitchen. I can't even use it in the basement in the winter. Oh wow! Well, we keep the basement warm because that's where the computers are. Ah, see, my basement stays at like sixty five year round. So, but I don't. Yeah, my run. husband would have issues with that. I don't brew in the basement. I brew in the in the kitchen. So, so Tyson, uh, yeah. uh, what about uh, you know? Aside from freezing, what about uh, you know? What about other methods like food processors, chop, grind, and and let me tell you, I bought a Victorio. Uh, I don't know what you call the damn thing. It's uh, like a new Victoria. toy. Yeah, it's a new toy. Uh, I, I do tomato sauce every year, and I used to do the boil and dunk which I'm not going to do anymore. So I got this Victorio food uh, juicer thing and I fired it up the other day and I put two pounds of blackberries and raspberries through it and I'm really loving it. No seeds, no pulp. Well, it had pulp, but uh, no seeds. And the, a lot of the pulp went out the other end. Um, is that... Uh, a viable uh, way to do uh, mead, a fruit mead, a, you know, berries. I don't. I don't think you're going to find anybody who's going to tell you that's not the right way to do it. Um, they're going to. You're going to get the. Well, it depends on what you want. You know, you could. Uh, I think Pete's talked about this in some of the got me ones. You can just sort of let the fruit sit on it. You know, or the the, the fruit sit in the fermentation, and you have the mead sit on it and just pull the stuff out. But if you really want that juice and you really want uh, you know, to, to you know, put some more effort into it, you can you can juice it. I'm probably going to do that with my blackberries just to just to get them all nice and juicy. I actually started I think, a. Uh, go ahead. I think this may also come down to which fruit you're using and how much tannin you get in the skin, and whether you actually want to leave that in your fermentation and get it really puckery or astringent because you've left it on the tannins too long. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure Oscar's talked about that before. Yeah. Which episode well, time, but I think it was the third or fourth episode. But yeah, I mean, the, the thing with the fruit stuff is you do have to keep that fruit moving and, and you got to be paying attention because, yeah, if you leave it, if it's a fruit that has skins that can affect the overall end result, then you got to pay attention to what that's doing, you know, and, and just be on it. 
really. And if you're using a fruit bag, sometimes that can also affect whether you should or should not squeeze it. I've been mm-hmm. told, I think it was medicine who was telling me that um, there's a difference between squeezing the fruit bag and not squeezing the fruit bag when you're done. Yeah, I would think depending on how much uh, tannin you drive out of it, and with yeah. pear skins, with pears, I would I would believe that I, I use pears quite frequently because I until very well, so far I still have access to a pear tree, and it usually gives a really good crop every year. So I've I've made nice. pear pear wine just about every year for the last ten, and um, yeah, that's that's one of those things where you either you add a little bit of tannin or you squeeze the bag with the skins in it. I have a uh, kind of, it's a small batch, it's a, you know, one gallon, actually it's about six quarts, oh. but I'm expecting a gallon uh, out of this raspberry blackberry uh, concoction mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just to see how it turns out. I mean, you know, it's completely seedless, so uh, we're talking about the juice and the pulp uh, just going into the fermenter and well, we uh, just, anxious to we- see what it, uh, what it comes out like. We just got an interesting comment along these lines on the uh, Twitter feed. Um, Sergio at Melavito Meadery, who was on earlier in this uh, in this series. Hi, Sergio. Hey, Sergio. Wave. Everybody wave to Sergio. Yeah, everybody um, wave to Sergio. Yeah. You can call in. Wait, this is radio. Yeah. Yeah, Sergio, if you're just sitting around listening yeah. to the show, why don't you call us? Yeah, call us, <laughs> dude. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get off your ass, get a glass of meat and call us. Um, he says, juicing berries will open up the seeds and amplify tannins to your mead, usually negatively so. So that's an interesting point. So if you're working yeah. with a fruit that has seeds like strawberries or, um, you know, uh, berries, and berries, it. yeah, any of the berries. Yeah. So yeah. strawberries, raspberries, blackberries. And so on. Um, you know, th- when you're juicing them, you're smashing up those seeds, and then that's where you're getting. I think it depends on that. your juicer. Well, My yeah, juicer just mm-hmm. shreds stuff and spits stuff out. I it, it doesn't seem to crack seeds too much. Yeah, so I, well, I think it's going right, to depend yeah. on your juicer. Yeah, the yeah. juicer that I'm talking about is actually. Uh, it's one that I saw my grandmother use when she made uh, tomato sauce, and the tomatoes, the fruit goes down and through a hopper. And then a it's forced down uh, uh, using this screw that goes through this cone-shaped deal uh, that has little holes in it. And the ones that you use for the berries, the holes are so small, none of the seeds get through. It's all juice and pulp. That's it. And well, actually, uh, most of the pulp actually comes out the other end with the seed. So, uh, but there is some pulp that uh, that does uh, kind of squeeze out of it. So. I don't know that I need to be worried about the tannins coming out of the seeds. I'm just curious as whether this is a viable way to make a mead using berries. Plenty uh, of people do it. No, yeah, all the time, I, yeah. I haven't There's run across any recipes that say, you know, run your fruit through a, a process or whatever. Everything that I've ever read said, freeze your fruit first. Uh, you know, and then well, uh, that's because everybody doesn't all have access to a juicer. Yeah, well, so I mean, the device I you use, um, the device you use, could be similar to what I, I make applesauce with John every other year. Or so there you go. And and we the little grinder that grinds the apples pulls out the seeds and the skins. Uh, and John says it would also take the seeds out of blackberries. You just get that finer mesh, like we're talking about. Uh, it's something like a food mill, then. Yeah, it just exactly. presses it up yeah, against the mesh. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this one has a motor on it, and uh, you know you just keep you know forcing stuff down through the hopper. But yeah, okay, it's a it's a food mill. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I mean, and again, it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish too. I mean, um, I made one of the best 
raspberry meads I ever did was made from, well, it happened to be seedless. It was a puree that I got. They were uh, There was a local brewery that did a raspberry wheat ale for one of their seasonals, and they ordered too much raspberry puree. So they contacted my brew club and said, hey, y'all want to buy this? And we're like, ah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, so we like all of us like descended on the brewery and, and took everything they had. But um, <laughs> I mean, literally, there was like, you know, these were like 40-pound bags of puree it was like oh my god you thought it was like the holy grail it was awesome but yeah. i mean this stuff was preceded and everything but it was just basically raspberry goo and that's what i made the meat out of and a couple of cordials and everything else i needed to make because there was too much of it but <laughs> yeah so there was a lot of a lot of raspberry flavored booze going around that that year but um it was really really good it turned out very well and um i was pleased with it you know and i've done raspberries with seeds and that turned out pretty good too so you know, we uh, we've got a uh, before I get to the caller, uh, we've got some Ooh, people we on Skype. Yeah, we've got some people on Skype too. Uh, Hamish down in Australia, he's got uh, uh, kind of a big thing. He's talking about freezing. Uh, also makes it easy to peel the fruit too. I guess if you have to peel fruit, uh, mm -hmm. anything that you would have to have to peel apparently. Uh, squeezing the bag is akin to pressing grape skins. He says. If you press too much, you get extra juice, but you risk getting a whole heap of tannin. I'm trying to do this with one pair of glasses, and it's really hard. Yeah. What did he? Uh, uh, what did he email us or something? No, he's on Skype. Uh, oh, he's, he's on in Skype. Austria. Oh, yep, cool. he's at work listening to the show. Uh, oh, there he is. Okay. Yeah, but he won't. Uh, he's not allowed to jump on the line with us. So apparently, he's doing this like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe all the lights are off in his office. And nobody can see. Well, it's it's <laughs> the middle of the workday there, you know. So, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's tomorrow yeah. in Australia. So, um, there he is. So, uh, but uh, we do have a caller on the line thirty nine forty four. What's your name? Where are you from? And uh, what's your question or comment? And this is Sergio from Elovino. Sergio. Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew he'd get yeah, it. I listened know, to Vicky. I got off my ass and called in. That's right, Jersey boy. <laughs> get in here and tell us what you think. <laughs> All right. Uh, Melovino, right? Yes, yeah. yes. There you go. Sergio Re reminds me, what, uh, reminds me, Sergio, we got to connect because I'm going to be in New York in a couple of weeks. Oh, cool. Yeah, just, uh, just let me know. Give me a ring. Yeah, I will. I got to drive right past you, so I'm, I figured I might as well stop in. Tell us about fruit, yeah. Sergio. Uh, how, how do you guys handle fruit at the meadery? Well, when, whenever we do fresh fruit batches, I was actually going to comment on the whole freezing versus not freezing. When you freeze sure. your fruits, one thing that actually helps, a big advantage, is it breaks down all the cell walls of the fruits. So uh, you're able to extract a lot more sugars out of the fruit that way, in my opinion, especially based upon one of, one of Ask Oscar com, uh, uh, segments a week or two ago when he was talking about... Uh, only leaving the fruits in the must for a max of two weeks, for example, you're really not going to get as much sugar extraction out of those fruits if they weren't frozen. So think of it this way. If you were to take fresh uh, strawberries, cut them up, and throw them into the must, you're really not going to get any juice. Or if you were to cut up those strawberries and let them sit in a bowl, you're not going to get any juice out of those strawberries. But if you were to freeze them and let them thaw, Half of that, uh, half of that bowl would be drowned in the juices of the strawberries. You're, you're, you're allowing the fruit to release that much more sugar and that much more character of that fruit into the meat, in my opinion. 
So you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't run like I did these these uh, raspberries and blackberries. You wouldn't run them through a food mill and try to extract uh, that way then, or you would recommend it. To... No, not necessarily. I've never been a big fan of using like uh, fruit purees and uh, and whatnot. But you know, we do a few batches where we use whole fruits at the meadery. We do a dry raspberry need as well as an off dry rat. Uh, I'm sorry, a dry strawberry meat and an off-dry raspberry meat. And uh, we use whole fruits that, uh, you know, we actually buy frozen. Uh, we found a pretty cool source to get, like, some of the ripest uh, frozen fruits uh, that they distribute and supply, you know, frozen yogurt places and smoothie places. So those types of, uh, those types of vendors obviously need, you know, the, the ripest of the ripe of fruits. Yeah. Uh, we get the, we buy the fruit frozen. We let it thaw out. And we dump it right into the tank, into the musk. And uh, in in my opinion, I think you just get a much better product uh, that way, and you get um, all those juices out of that fruit, all the sugar extraction from that fruit as well. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I, uh, you know, this blackberry raspberry thing is more of a kind of an experiment for me. Uh, you know, I'm always one to, you know, see what works and what doesn't work, uh, even with the best advice, uh, you know, coming from, uh, you know, guys like Sergio and Oscar and everybody else that I listen to. But uh, it's one of those things I think you got to find out on your own, huh? Are you going yeah. for a sweet or a dry style meat? No, more, uh, of, more of a semi-sweet. I don't particularly care for the real sweet stuff, uh, but I do want some residual sugar in it. Uh, in fact... When I put it together, uh, I didn't even measure the honey. I was going for a gravity. I could care less. I, and I, this is something else that I learned from listening to Oscar. I just, I didn't care about how many pounds or ounces of honey I wanted in it. I just, I wanted a, a specific gravity. And when Correct. I hit, yeah. I hit the, I hit the target. I stopped putting honey in, so I couldn't even tell you how much, how, you know, how much honey. Uh, yeah. And so it, right now it's sitting on, you know, some pectic enzyme and the Camden tablets and, uh, you know, and then uh, later on tonight, I'll, 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 I'm going to use 71B for the yeast. Um, mm -hmm. I understand that works well with, uh, with fruits. So, yep. uh, and then see what happens. So, yeah, the reason why I ask what your target, uh, you know, sweetness, residual sweetness is, um, is especially with, you know, any kind of fruit with high acidity, you know, uh, raspberries, you know, blackberries, you're definitely going to want to try to balance the acidity that that fruit is going to contribute with the sweetness of the meat. Uh, that's why you don't see many, like, dry or off-dry melomels uh, on the market. It's, it gets tough to try to balance that out. Uh, with no sweetness coming from the honey, you're going to get a lot more puckering effect, a lot more acidity from that, uh, from that fruit. So it's a big balancing act, and really what it all comes down to, even if you are targeting like a drier beef, a drier mellow milk, is just use a little less fruit. You know what I mean? So if you want the sweetness, uh, if you want a sweet meat or high-end semi-sweet mellow milk, you could add a lot more fruit, but the drier you go, you're going to want to use less of that fruit. So you're not killing the yeast also with a ton of acidity, and you're not left with an, uh, an out-of-balance meat as a final product as well. Yeah. yeah. I've always believed that um, it's like you say, it's a balancing, balancing act, Sergio. But what I've seen with all the different means that I've tried over the years is 
if you're going to make a melomel, leave a little residual sugar in there. It doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be a little. You know, I mean, you can oh, yeah. you can make when a I big in your face. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I say dry, I mean, you could finish it at 10.02, 10.04, uh, yeah. and just leave the tiniest little hint of sweetness that, uh, you know, when, when we first, when I first released my first batch of our dry strawberry, we finished it at uh, well, I was, I was there. It was still in the, you were, you gave me a little bit of that when I stopped out before you were open. It was good. Yes. Yeah. I remember you telling me you do not like strawberry meads. And, uh, no, no. I love strawberry meads. I don't like <laughs> and dry, I give you a dry strawberry meads. Strawberry mead. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I've never had a dry strawberry mead that wasn't awful, but yours was really excellent. I was impressed. We're talking to yeah. Tyson and Alan from uh, meadmaker.com. Uh, and, Sergio. Cool, and Sergio. And <laughs> uh, Sergio Mattella from uh, Melovino Meadery in New Jersey. Uh, Talking about Melomels, guys, uh, we'll take some phone calls. Eight one eight nine. What's the number? <laughs> drink, drink too much. Uh, drinking too much. Wait, wait, wait. Nah, I got. You know what? I got nine, three two, screens. One, four, six, eight, oh. That's there the you one. go. That's it. I've got I've got three monitors that I'm that I have to look at through this whole process. And then he has to take uh, his glasses off, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we'll uh, we'll take your calls. Uh, let's talk about. The Mel from Hell. Ah. So, you know, I don't want to start this off with Sergio as long as we got him on the line. As long as you've been making mead, Sergio, did you ever have a Mel from Hell? Something that just absolutely didn't work? Um, I tried once making a an orange marmalade mead where oh, I actually fun. literally uh, I love threw a, I, I literally just I made a mead and I threw in right into primary through two cans. Uh, I'm sorry, two jars of like, you know, Smucker's orange marmalade. <laughs> um, really? Oh my God. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was really, really good during fermentation, but once, once it all fermented out, it wasn't all that tasty. Um, oh no. But uh, also ginger, ginger is, uh, uh, was another mead that I definitely can say, don't boil ginger before, you know, adding it to a mead. Oh, uh, okay. it, it, it literally just, it, I, I could put it in a bottle and sell it as a perfume. I'll put it that way. Oh Tyson, uh, Mel from hell, anything that you've tried and it just did not work. I have not made enough fruit meads to have screwed up yet. So ah! I think I'm, I'm lucky, but I'm sure, one, I'm sure one's coming. Well, keep working on it. Got, yeah, uh, you'll, gonna, you'll, you'll have one. <laughs> we've got another caller on the line, uh, 4612. What's your name? Where are you from? And uh, what's your comment? Uh, this is David Webb, uh, 58 Limited on the forum. Hey, David, welcome. You're uh, yeah. Very good. And uh, did you ever have a Mel from Hell? What, what's your worst Mel Mel nightmare? Well, it's probably my current one. Uh, the grape Mel Mel to a pie mint. Okay. And uh, this brings up a question I'd like to ask. I've got some uh, cans of Alexander Sun Country Johannesburg Riesling grape juice concentrate at 68 bricks. Um, my question is, do these cans have a shelf life? Because these cans are probably several years old, and the pinements I've made, rather than the nice fruity Riesling taste, just have a real heavy, dull taste, almost petroleum-like. It's possible that you could, I mean, all the, I'm assuming these are commercial cans that they came out of. Did you get them at the brew shop? 
Yes, I got them with the brew shop there, uh, 48, uh, 46 ounces, 68 bricks. Okay. What, what I would say to do to figure, well, I mean, if you're curious about if or when they expired, is Google the brand and um, expiration date codes. You want to make yeah. sure it says codes in there because they often will code that in there. And if you know how to read it, then you know what it is. Not all of them put it on there in, cl in clear speak. Code or anything on these cans. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Then, yeah, I mean, I don't I, know. You I know, by, by international labeling rules and regulations that they basically can no longer use the name Johannesburg Riesling. And I think that dates back six years ago. Okay. And yet these cans are labeled Johannesburg Riesling. Oh, but the only thing you can do is pop them open and see. Yeah. Um, I've I've got a couple yeah, of things uh, that I'm sure pass their best before uh, day too. And like I said, the flavor's just not that not there. Is it what's well, really heavy and dark or what? Yeah, it's heavy and dark. Uh, I know I've read that recently can have a petroleum taste, but this is like uh, used motor oil, probably. Ooh. Okay, uh, you know you know what that sounds like. A, that sounds like an interesting. Um, you know, an interesting thing to pursue further. You got, I'm assuming that you took really good notes. <laughs> yeah, I, and, uh, I don't have them in front of me, but yes, I do have a pretty good Okay, one. well, we're, yeah, and we're not going to try to tackle it here tonight. But what I'm thinking is that we do tackle it, but like maybe in an Ask Oscar or something like that. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. Um, yeah, that might be good. Just, like, you know, right. only if you have good notes. So, because if you don't have good notes, we're just going to not pay any attention to it. So. Yeah, well, I, always, I always try to include good notes from Ask Oscar. So. Yeah, you're you're really good about that. Yeah, I have to say, you the stuff you put in has been pretty complete. So, yeah. but yeah, it sounds like there's something going on there. I It's hard to say if that's expir expired fruit or not, just because we don't know, you know. Yeah, uh, also kind of saying uh, that uh, white it, white wine doesn't age well, and he's guessing the same would be for the grape juice. Right, right. And uh, he he's saying know, that when you get an aged white, it's did, often uh, flat. That could be. Yeah, I, I would probably. Uh, did you did you buy it recently, David, or have you had it? You know. So I actually bought it this last spring, and I was kind of tickled to find one's labeled Johannesburg Riesling, and then I kind of found out that that name went out of uh, usage several years ago, so these yeah. are probably... Old I would maybe, maybe go back to the brew store or wherever you purchased it from and see if you can get a lot number or something from an order that, uh, you know, if they still have the paperwork on the order, and, uh, you know, see if you can trace it back to the manufacturer that way. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, they, they, you know, the most companies are going to keep their paperwork for, you know, a number of years, uh, you know, and they may have, uh, they might have access to, you know, orders or, or whatever that uh, might contain lot numbers or something that that, you know, came out of. So, okay. But thanks for the call. Oh, no problem. And I enjoyed uh, tonight's show. Lots of uh, good topic coverage with the, uh, you know, the raspberries, uh, blackberries, I think really good olala berry mead. And, uh, you bet. Yeah, a lot of good topics, including uh, Vicky's uh, shooting stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ain't heard some shooting stories. Yeah, yeah. Dude, trust me, you don't even want to go. I'd probably get arrested for talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, David. Thanks All for right, checking in, man. Great. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right. Uh,
Well, uh, you know, look at you we, got okay. We need to have Tyson and Alan on more often. We've gotten more calls yeah. tonight. <laughs> so that we get like we're ready three shows. So y'all are just gonna have to come back. <laughs> we can arrange that. <laughs> well, you know, when it comes to this melomel thing, uh, is there is there a fruit out there that you just you know? I mean, Sergio's talking about the uh, uh, orange marmalade. Is there is there any fruit out there that you just absolutely should not ferment? Has anybody run across anything they just shouldn't do? Not uh, yet. Not yet. What in a melomel? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. One thing you absolutely shouldn't do is let the temperature change by thirty degrees in less than twenty-four hours. Bad, bad idea. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that too. And you know, I, I suffer from that problem. And I think that's the reason why some of the you know ones that I've done uh, just really haven't turned out all that well because I, I just don't have any decent way of controlling temperature until recently. Uh, I invested in a stainless steel fermenter with an immersion chiller, the whole nine yards. <laughs> so he's wor you're worse than me. I mean, honestly, when I start a, when I start a new hobby, I tend to go like, "Oh, I'm just going to get everything I need." You know, uh, dude, I mean, this, dude, you got me beat there. Okay. <laughs> I first saw these things, you know, quite some time ago, and I thought, "Well, I'd never need something like that." I mean, you know, I'm just going to do these little batches. Well, lo and behold. You know, the more I listen, and here's where the got me thing is paid off and listening to Oscar because, you know, and then, you know, you get people like Sergio and all, and all these people from these professional meteries talking about the same thing. Everybody's talking about temperature control. I'm thinking, okay, there's something I'm doing wrong here uh, or just don't have the right equipment. So, uh, you know what? I drop a couple of dimes, go out and get the right stuff, dude, and do it right. And that, that's the lesson that I've learned. Right. Well, you're definitely going to notice some major improvements in your meat, I'll tell you that. Even when I was brewing beer, fermentation temperature control for beer making is, is a huge, huge deal as well. But for meat, I mean, anytime, especially with melomels, they will rise in temperature a lot quicker. We see it just even with our commercial batches. You know, anytime we do a melomel, that, that temperature is going to try, and that one tank is going to try to spike uh, before, the, uh, before any traditional that we're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. And you're definitely going to also be at risk of more sulfur uh, production during fermentation at, at higher temperatures. Yeah. Uh, and you'll also notice some some more active fermentation as well. Our melomels are always very, very temperamental when, uh, when it comes time to degassing. Uh, so <laughs> controlling your fermentation temperature, especially with melomels, you're going to notice a big, big difference overnight. Yeah. Alan, uh, you know, experienced mead maker, how do you control your temperatures uh, at home when you're making your mead? I'm not, I'm not quite as lucky as you to go buy that SS Brewtech. <laughs> yeah, right. Controller. JD's got nothing else better to do with his money than sit around and spend it. You know? Maybe he's still got to survive the whole market crashing thing too. And I know, right? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Well, well, the jury's still out as to whether that was a good purchase. Um, I actually tend to do a lot of the ice bucket and uh, wet shirt techniques with a fan over top of it with the evaporation to cool it. Sure. Not yeah. nearly as controlled as I would like to do. Um, I'm looking at upgrading, just not quite there yet. And I'm actually very jealous that John went and bought a fermentation fridge that Tyson's going to use now. And I'm like, man, <laughs> come on, I'm supposed to meet me maker. He's me drinker. Why do you get to house it? But yeah, hey, you, you got to choose so between unfair. diapers and a cooling thing for your meat. <laughs> what are you going to choose? Diapers or meat, huh? No, that's 
This is true. <laughs> but on the other hand, though, he could be like feeding the baby at 2 a.m. and stirring his meat. On the other hand, you know, I'm, he's I'm not going to sleep looking, for the next six months anyway. I'm looking <laughs> forward oh, to paternity leave for that very fact. Because I'm like, hey, I can make meat every day, right? I mean, breastfeeding. Right. Yeah. I got 40 minutes yeah. free and clear. All my wife is doing when she's home is sitting around eating bonbons anyway, right? Yeah. Oh, you're <laughs> she's shaking trouble. her head. And, like, yeah. yeah. She's sitting here looking at me in the room like, oh, what are you saying? <laughs> you are oh, so oh, dead, geez. dude. <laughs> uh, I probably oh, am. That's yeah. okay. Pass that bottle around the table. Holy cow. Uh-huh. You are so <laughs> in trouble. Well, you know, rather than, uh, you know, since we didn't get a lot of mails from hell here, uh, I mean, we got the one from uh, Sergio. What what about the most successful? Sergio, what, what what's your most successful uh, Melamel? Uh, that's really hard to say. And I'm there, you know, Melamels always make a great need and... I haven't had too many failures when it came to Mellow Mouse, but I mean, and I've, and I've kind of tried everything across the board as well. So we actually well, even have, right than, now we have a banana, uh, we have a banana vanilla mead going right now as an experimental at the meadery. Then we're going to throw some caramel into, and then age in some rye whiskey barrels for like kind of like Dude. a banana's foster. Are you uh, caramelizing oh honey or throwing straight caramel in? Uh, we're taking actually we're gonna experiment with trying to throw some actual caramel into it. But okay. I think what's probably gonna work a lot easier is I got my hands on some awesome, awesome caramel extract. Uh so we might actually try that. I've used it in on very small scale, like in a glass here and there, uh just to kind of see what kind of uh what kind of quality it really was and we found some awesome caramel extract that most likely will probably trump uh actual caramel too. So uh, but we'll have to see. We're going to test it all out. So we're talking like C's candy caramel. Is that what you're talking? Do salt and no. caramel, Sergio. Salt and caramel. <laughs> salt and caramel. <laughs> that is Thank you. No, no. I thought of that as well. Don't, don't think I awesome. thought of that. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do, do the salted caramel, you do the salt around the glass rim and don't put it in the drink. Oh, there you go. go yeah. You know, from being from Jersey, you know, one, one main recipe that I actually do want to get to try and experimental is a saltwater taffy mead. Oh, God, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> wow. So uh, there I go, start looking up what kind uh, of salinity ocean water has to try to mimic it with sea salt oh God, or something yeah. in the mead. <laughs> and how are you going to do that and get it to ferment at the same time? That could be an interesting experiment. Yeah, I accidentally um, yeah. got salt in one of my, uh, one of my, uh, was a wild, uh, wild grape wine and it didn't ferment all the way. And then I tried to turn it to vinegar and the acetic, um, acetobacter didn't like it very much either. <laughs> we what, got a mail uh, from, we got a mail from hell from, uh, Hamish. He's hanging out still out there and he's saying, uh, his worst one ever was, a mango. It was so fibrous and weak and uh, said you needed way more mango than you thought you were going to need. Biggest mead explosion he's ever had. Mango <laughs> bango. Mango magma is what he called it. <laughs> mango magma. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is pretty good. AJ, uh, you've done quite a few melomels over the years. What's your favorite? Any Anything really stand out that you've done really well that really, you know, I think one of my favorite fermented fruits that I really don't like when it's not fermented has got to be blackberry. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of use for them unless I throw them in a smoothie other than other than fermenting them. But I just find fermenting really, really brings out a flavor that I quite like in them. Yeah, yeah they are good that way. But and I, I seen- also don't, I, I can't grow, I 
I haven't found a place that grows them around here. So most of mine come from Mexico and then get promptly frozen. So I'm not sure what it's like to have fresh, actual blackberries. But They're pretty good, especially have, with fresh whipped cream and, you know. I, I have a blackberry <laughs> bush in the backyard. Quite yeah, I, I, don't I really find them fresh kind of tasteless. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm not I, sure I if it's that, just the ones I get, but I find them kind of tasteless when they're not fermented. That might be the case. You know, it, it depends entirely. I can find if I'm picking off the bush on the same day, depending on the ripeness of that individual berry, mm. the flavor content changes drastically. And then depending yeah. on how much it rained the day before, I find that they swell and ripen way too fast with mm-hmm. heavy rains. And I'm like, please just be a little bit drier today. It's kind of like for grapes, you actually want droughts because the grapevines are like 20 feet deep in terms yeah. of the, the roots. You actually don't want it to rain when they ripen or else they ripen too fast and you don't get the high sugar contents. But And uh, for those of you who are wondering, no, there is no Ask Oscar tonight. Uh, Oscar is uh, on Taking hiatus. the week off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this week, uh, and we will have more Ask Oscar in the near future. So, uh, in place of that, we're just talking about Melamels here. Uh, we're lucky to have uh, Tyson and Alan from MeadMaker.com, and that's M A K R.com. And of course, Sergio Mutella from Melavino Meadery in New Jersey. Guys, uh, we need to start wrapping the show up. Uh, any final comments on uh, anything? So I can I can plug uh, our episode twelve with Ken Schramm. We specifically talked to him about fruit, you know. So we said, you know, the title is "Take Ken Schramm's Advice." He's got a lot of good advice about fruits. He cares a lot about the quality and and what goes into his meads. Uh, and so you can listen to that podcast of ours and 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 get when his advice. That, uh, when does that come online? Oh, that's that's we posted that one already. It's uh, that was already up. No, you yeah. can get Number to 12. it. I haven't. Yeah. Oh, if you just go meadmaker.com forward slash twelve, it'll take you right there. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I've to that one yet. Yeah, that was it's good. it's really it's really good. And you guys are right. I mean, he, that's one of the things that makes Ken's mead so amazing is the fact that he really treats the fruit and the quality of the fruit with like a almost a reverence. You know, I mean, he's. Yeah. He's really maniacal about the quality of his ingredients, and because he's got some of his own, you know, some of his own fruit and fruit trees and so on and so forth on his property, he's become very, 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 did I say very picky about the fruit that he uses. He will shame you into getting better fruit. Oh, he will, yeah. He, he doesn't have any problem at all doing that. And I mean, well, if you've, you know, anybody who's ever had Heart of Darkness can say that's true and it works. You know, one sip of heart of darkness and you will never again doubt that the quality of the fruit has every bearing on the results of your mead. Yeah. Uh, Alan, final thoughts. I just want to say thank you guys. This has been a blast. I'm learning stuff from you guys. In the same way, and I'm like, Oscar's going to have a lot of fun just correcting us in this episode. You just don't give him any questions. He'll just listen to be like, that was wrong, that was wrong. Well, maybe that was slightly right. You know, I'm curious to see what he says next week. Yeah, I'm saying we're not going to have any questions oh, yeah. for Oscar. He's just going to critique we're, the show. And we're we're going to get laugh. ripped. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get yeah. ripped apart. At least you guys will be happy when we're not closely supervised. I know. Yeah, well, and it's okay. Feel, you know, feel good because the rest of us will get ripped too, so. 
And uh, Sergio, uh, I-, I tell you, you got to do this plug. Twenty nine thirty three Vauxhall Road, out in New <laughs> Jersey. You got to stop by, visit with Sergio. Tell him the gang from Got Mead Live uh, got you there, and uh, go through their tasting uh, uh, room out there and have some Melvino mead. Any final thoughts, Sergio? I don't think he's on anymore. Sergio, are you still here? Oh yeah, he's still here. Yeah, I'm, oh. yeah. I'm oh, here. there he is. I'm okay, here. I just thought you dropped off my readings. So. No, I guess uh, as far as final thoughts is like, you know, if anybody making meat out there, especially those that just got started, just don't be, uh, you know, don't get disappointed uh, with with any failures that you have. Every failure is, uh, is a new lesson learned. And and then also, even talking about Ken Schramm, it brings up a good point. Everybody has like their own different type of mead style, which is which is so awesome. You know, yeah, I, I, I do not envy judges in certain, you know, in certain categories when they have to, <laughs> you know, judge basically a very similar recipe in three different completely styles, uh, talking about the bead maker style, you know, with yeah. Ken Schramm, he has like those really awesome, big, rich, dense fruit bombs, yeah. uh, which are delicious. Then you got Fairbrother has his own style, Brad from Bean Nectar. They do yeah. their whole separate thing. Um, Melovino, on the Melovino side, I always kind of think we take more almost like a little bit of a wine approach to, to our needs, being sure. that that's kind of like more linked to my background. So find your own style, see what works best, and just keep experimenting. And uh, if, if an ingredient doesn't work one way, try it another, you know? Yeah. Yeah, very good advice. Uh, and really appreciate that from a professional mead maker, here uh, again, Sergio Mutella from Melovino, and if you're out in Vauxhall or in uh, New Jersey, Vauxhall uh, uh, Road out there, you gotta stop by and uh, and check them out. Well, guys, and to be uh, clear, I'm not a professional. I'm just a home brewer that makes quite a lot of mead. Yeah, <laughs> he, he really, he really is. Because uh, when I when I was visiting with him, it was like a guy with just really, really, really large buckets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's uh, and that's twenty nine thirty three Vauxhall Road uh, there in New Jersey, and that's uh, Sergio. That's at the rear of the Milburn Mall, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. got lucky and we found some super inexpensive uh, commercial space behind the little strip mall. Awesome. Uh, yeah, listen, if you knew how much I was paying a month, you 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 would be jealous. <laughs> awesome <laughs> alright and uh, of course Tyson and Alan thanks guys uh, for joining us uh, uh, yeah we're going to have you guys back okay just saying this was a hell of a lot of fun <laughs> more yeah. party all the time right exactly you know I mean that's what it's all about and uh, again ask Oscar uh, you know he'll probably be uh, it's kind of up to Oscar but I venture to say that he'll probably be back in the next week or two if not, I'm sure we could come up with plenty of things to talk about. Uh, Want to make a mention here, 58 Limited. Of course, that was David Webb uh, who uh, called in tonight. Mead Fest in Texas, Vicky. Uh, yeah. Wish these guys, you know. He emailed, he emailed me about that earlier today, I think. Good. And, uh, yeah, the Texas Mead Fest is coming up, and I'm actually going to be. Yeah, and I'm going to put it up. I'm, I'm going to put it up on Got Mead, so. There are links and everything. I've just got to help get that up there tomorrow when I'm working on the site. Yeah. And for the, for those of you that are wondering when the hell I'm going to get the new site done, working on it. I spent 12 hours on it this weekend. I've only got so many hours to spare, so working as fast as I can. 
this uh this meat fest in texas september 19th and i don't know how to what is that groon uh grune uh. if you're in from france g-r-u-e-n-e groon texas uh, fourth annual texas mead fest uh eight meteries wineries uh going to be represented homebrew competition honey tastings food vendors Live music, just a whole bunch of stuff. September 19th, 11 to 7 p.m. Rock and R, 1405 Groon Road, G-R-U-E-N-E Road in New Braunfels. Again, I don't have my glasses on. Texas, 78130. Adults, 21 and over, $20 per person. Includes tasting glass and eight tasting tickets. Uh, so if you're in Texas, if you're in uh, New Braunfels, Texas, you got to check it out uh, September 19th. So uh, just happen to find that uh, in the form. And if any, you know, you guys out there, if you've got an event, uh, you know, that's coming up, get it to us. We'll get it on the air, uh, get it in the forms, and uh, we will make a big deal out of it. So uh, make sure you get that information to us. And... Uh, Gosh, guys, uh, what a party night. <laughs> yeah, told you it'd be a good time. Mr. Man's going, we need, a, we, we need, a, we need a, uh, an outline. I'm like, no, we don't. We're just going to blather. Yeah, last time I was on the phone with these guys, it went so long, they broke it into two shows. <laughs> <laughs> Next, and uh, I think we uh, still had more left over we could have posted. Yeah, we, I mean, really, we just had a, we had a lot of fun. Next week, it's going to be uh, Ben and Becky Starr from Starlight Meadery. The week after, Vicky's out of town. It's going to be JD and AJ. And Cats away and the mice, mice away. Do you, do you need some help that week? We can yeah, call you back guys, in. Yeah, why don't you guys call back in and keep them from like running off with the entire store while I'm come gone? Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, right, yeah, right. I'll make sure the baby cries the entire track. So there you, you go. Yeah. We'll see what happens. There you go. All right, guys. We'll see everybody next week. All right. Night, everybody. Thank you, guys. Night, everybody. Good night. Night.